All righty, all right, all right. Happy Monday, everybody. TGIM. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. 7.31 here. 7.31 here, yes. Uh, very, very quickly, uh, I forgot to mention it to you as well. Before we start the uh, podcast, um, there's been a lot of stuff going on on social media in the not only in the Armenian community, but obviously with the whole Johnny Depp case. And um, uh, we want to kind of bring it bring it up and kind of talk about it very, very quickly. If anybody, whether you're a male, whether you're a female, I can even say that, uh, and you're, you're a victim of domestic violence, don't stay quiet, guys. Um, know that whether it's friends, whether it's family, whether it's loved ones, there are people out there that will help you. The last thing you want to do is basically stay quiet about this and continue to be a victim. So again, let's kind of be, be basically be aware of it. If you are a victim of domestic violence, whether you're male, female, it doesn't matter. Get help. Reach out. Make sure you talk to somebody about it. Um, that being said, thank you, Mr. Constantine Anthony, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, before we start the, you know, getting into the entire podcast and talking about policies and um, current events and all that, let's kind of talk about you a little bit. Uh, let's talk about Constantine Anthony, if we can call you that. Yeah. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> what else would you leave? Well, well, remember, we're we're gonna we're, we'll we'll talk about the whole Constantine name and yeah. his past, and tell us a little bit about yourself, family, the history, sure, sure. and then uh, we'll get into everything else. Well, I just wanted to uh, first off uh, thank you for putting that uh, you know uh, PSA message at the beginning of your um, statement. There, uh, I'm actually on. Uh, on the uh, domestic violence task force here for the city of Burbank. And I would go so far as to say, don't just uh, tell folks to get help, because one of the hardest things uh, that um, uh, victims of domestic violence uh, face is realizing that they're victims of domestic violence. And this is especially true for men. So personally, I I was uh, abused uh, by a domestic partner. And for years and years, I thought, well, men can't be abused. We're bigger and stronger and you know, uh, I'm benching 240 now, and I'm like, come on, I can't be abused. Um, but at the end of the day, what the courts decided was that, yes, I was a victim of domestic violence and that the um, felony charge stuck. And one of the things that I'm hoping comes from this whole, you know, Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing um, is that men realize that, yes, they can come forward and that folks realize that there's, you know, can be abuse on either sides. And even one step further, that it's not just uh, uh, women on men and men on men, that there's, uh, you know, when you look at um, homosexual couples, that there's also a dynamic there that there can be abuse. And so one of the things that I tell people is don't just tell folks that they have to come forward. Talk to them. Help them realize it. Reach out to your friends. So many people don't want to get involved in other people's marital affairs and businesses. But if that's your friend, you've got to get involved. You've got to sit down. You've got to talk to them and be like, look, I see what's going on. This is what it looks like to me. Can we have a conversation about it? And they're going to be resistant, right? People don't want to be told that they're victims. They just don't. That's yeah. not a human thing. But you've got to keep talking to them about it. In fact, I really don't like the word victim. It's such a hard uh, word to use because people don't like to be pigeonholed that way. Um, but it's just a conversation that we've got to keep having. So, uh, again, thank you for pointing that out at the beginning. For sure, man. Speaking of violence, actually, I just remembered. <clears throat> my mom was sharing a story how yesterday we were at her house. She says her sister, who my aunt, mm-hmm. 
was at a grocery store a few weeks ago, and she notices uh, right outside the parking area, the husband is physically beating up the wife, oh, and man. the kid is sitting there in the car. So, so this, that's no idea. <laughs> man. Yeah. So she approaches them and says, "Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you know, I'm gonna call the cops right now." And the woman is like, well, no, no, don't get involved. This is none of yep. your business. And, yep. you know, it just, I mean, she apparently was physically being, like, beaten, not just verbally or, yeah. and, and but but she didn't want her to do anything. Yep. And, the, she, she, and the toll it takes on that kid, oh, witnessing kid, that? Yep. The kid is. Bro, I mean, ever, you'll know this as well, because you're, you're a father as well. Well, when an, anything happens... When there's a child involved, whether it's, you know, domestic abuse or child abuse or anything that happens with a kid nowadays. Today's bro, video. Today's video. I mean, bro, like I just, it, it hits me in the gut a different way where you're just like, bro, these kids are the most innocent thing in the world. Yeah. And for them to be mentally abused that way, for them to witness, you know, something like that take place. It's not. It's not fair. That kid's fate is in the wrong hands. Well, it's incredible that you mentioned that specific story because, in my case, my son was actually an eyewitness to the abuse and took a statement to the police. And you know, there was an uh, innocent bystander across the street who watched and also gave a statement. So there's two witnesses in the felony charge, and one of them is my kid. And even then, even then. At the moment that the police showed up and they asked me what happened, I was telling them nothing's wrong, nothing happened, because there's just there's this blinder on. It's like, well, I love this person. There's no way they could be abusing me. And so, yeah, it's such a hard and difficult thing. I would say to anybody else who is in that position of that lady, don't tell them you're calling the cops. Just call the cops. Yeah. Just call them. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. It happens way, way too often. Yeah. But... It sucks, bro. I mean, again, sorry to start off the podcast on kind of a <laughs> on a shallow note, but uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where's Constantine from? When did Constantine move to Burbank? I promise it'll be a lot lighter and, and there'll yeah. be more jokes. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Well, That's the one we wanted. We're glad you're not wearing a suit. Okay, thank okay. you. <laughs> you're wearing a nice bright yellow tie with a. Uh, Citrus. Citrus, yeah. Lemon and orange uh, button shirt, which which really stands out. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I wanted to give a treat <coughs> to the viewers who are actually yeah. watching. There you know. go. Because <laughs> they're used to seeing black, black, sometimes blue. <laughs> Edgar will wear mostly black, sometimes gray or yeah, Edgar. Tan. Yeah, Edgar's gray and yeah, He'll tan. throw in a little shit color in there. So here. <laughs> I, I wore yellow one time, and these guys busted my balls. Like, that's why they're like, why are you wearing yellow? I think it was Easter. No, was, it, it was, Easter? It, was it Easter? I don't remember that's what it was. Yellow's acceptable on Easter. Yeah. you got to go the pastel palette. That's but the yeah. way it is. <laughs> so, yeah, tell, tell us that. Tell us, Constantine. All right. Well, you know, it's funny. You mentioned a suit. I, you know, uh, my father wore a suit every day to work my whole life, and I promised myself I'd never get a job where I'd have to wear a suit every day. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's a very different time now. We're, we're you know, running for office and, and working in, office, in, the, in the elected office. Uh, but, you know, when I was younger, I, uh, I wanted to be uh, in media. I wanted to be an actor, a comedian. Um, you know, I grew up in Northern California, a little town called Castro Valley, and it's um, 
pretty much just like Burbank. It's so funny. When I first I first moved to Burbank in uh, 2004, and when I drove around here, it just struck me as like, oh my gosh, this is just like my hometown. Has that little small town vibe. Has that little you know main street of like here's some small shops. Everybody knows everybody, um, and I just I loved it immediately because you know it's familiarity, right? That's where you grew up, and that's what you recognize. Um, but you know. I moved to Burbank originally to get into the business and, you know, the, the entertainment business. Um, I had been uh, working as uh, an improv comedian uh, for a number of years. I worked with a company called Comedy Sports with a Z on the end because, um, you know, that was funny in 1985 when I founded the company. <laughs> it's a good thing we didn't put a Z at the end of this. <laughs> we thought about we it. We thought about it, but we didn't do it. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, so I worked with them for a number of years, um, and I did a bunch of other stuff when I moved down here uh, to 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 keep um, up my uh, comedy chops. I, um, you know, I went through the uh, Groundlings training program. I uh, studied at uh, Upright Citizens Brigade. Um, I uh, took classes at Second City. I ended up uh, becoming a teacher for a very short time at Second City, um, and continued my work with uh, comedy sports and. Um, you know, I did stuff with I.O. West and, and uh, all, all the, the staple uh, improv comedy groups. And uh, it was really fun. And, and, and uh, I got my foot in the door for, um, for the entertain like professional entertainment by starting work at, like a lot of actors do, at Universal Studios, being one of the characters up there. Um, I got a job uh, being the Wolfman in the, uh, the, the Haunted Scary Maze. If you remember a few years back, they had this... It was like Frankenstein and Dracula and Wolfman. I was the Wolfman. Uh, so I scared people for a living, and that was fun. <laughs> um, and then from there, uh, it got me my SAG card, and I started doing union jobs. And um, I'm actually on an episode of uh, Entourage, uh, which was uh, you know, a fun experience working on all these TV shows. I, I did them all. I did, you know, back in the day, uh, Castle and, uh, you know, Lie to Me and uh, uh, Two Guy, what, uh, Two and a Half Men. Um, a bunch of stuff. I worked on the pilot for uh, uh, the new girl. Which two and a half men. Which which one? Two and a half men. The, the which one? With Charlie Sheen. No, original, I know. I've yeah, the original Charlie. I've seen every episode fifteen times. That's you remember, are you serious? You remember where he's uh, he's in the movie theater and he's going out with um, he's on a date with the lady who did um, American Maid on the Tick show. I, I forget her name, but like they're in the they're in the theater and, and Charlie Sheen's like sitting with her and he's like he does I don't know he does something ridiculous and like. They throw the popcorn everywhere, and I'm, like, sitting right behind him. I'm, like, watching the movie with him and stuff. I remember it's, that scene. Actually, yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, like, that, right. That was you. I think sitting. I'm, like, right off to his right <laughs> shoulder. Uh, you can find it in there. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, played a, I played a ghost on a show called uh, two, uh, Pair of Kings on the Disney Channel. <laughs> Pair of Kings. Yeah. Oh, that I don't know. It was yeah. a small little spinoff show. It was fun, pretty fun. Anyway, so I had those little bit parts here and there. You yeah, know, started to yeah. make a career. Um, and then, you know, you get, you get pregnant you have a kid and you're like, Oh, you were pregnant or I, yes, yes. Uh, I say, I say we, because I experienced it too. (laughs) She's got to clarify. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, no, my wife at the time was pregnant and, uh, I say we, cause it's such a, you know, the whole, your entire life revolves around it. So, um, you know, I know I've been 
We've been pregnant twice. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Came here twice. <laughs> you got to say, you got to say Not that. Not physically, one. but <laughs> <laughs> mentally, spiritually. Emotionally, we were. Emotionally, yeah, yeah, emotionally, yeah. financially. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, and so then, you know, I had to get a real job and uh, kind of put the acting away and, um, you know, started uh, uh, working in uh, um, uh, property management. So I started doing rental housing and all that stuff. And after a while, I sort of, you know, continue. I was continuing with the comedy scene, which really wasn't paying that well. But one of the things that I really started to get involved in was uh, disability rights. So in, um, when I was about 28, 29, so uh, um, uh, 2009, 2010, um, I went and looked for a diagnosis for myself uh, for autism. And I wanted to see if I was autistic, like uh, a friend of mine who was telling me I was. Um, she had worked with um, folks on the autism spectrum, and she contacted me. She'd known me for many years, many years. I would met her in middle school. And she said, hey, you know what? I've been thinking about this for a little bit, and I don't know how to broach it with you because it's kind of a sensitive subject, but this is what I think. And I'm like, you're nuts. What are you talking about? Get out of here. Come on. I'm, I'm almost 30. I think I would have figured it out by now. Um, but, you know, you, you know that thing where it's like you hear a word, and then uh, suddenly it's everywhere, and that's all you see, and that's all you think about? It just, like, it got in my head, and I kept looking at it and looking at it. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go and try to figure this out. So I did a huge deep dive, and, you know, lo and behold, that's, that's my identity now, and that's who I've been this whole time. And it was such a, a groundbreaking experience for me to realize that I was autistic because it, like, it opened up these doors for understanding about who I was and the way I think and, and how I behave and my interactions with other people. And it really, really helped me, right? That understanding of, okay, that's my thing. How do I deal with it? How do I adapt to that? Um, how can I manage my life in a way that really addresses that? Um, and so I really started to do two things. One, really self-reflect and see how I can change my behavior and my life and my interactions and, you know, my, my little world to <clears throat> address my needs with this new disability. And then second, start to reach out to people in that community to say, oh, okay, what are you guys doing? How are you dealing with it? What do you need? And on that second front, I was interacting with people who, um, you know, for lack of a better term, didn't have the, um, the privileges that I had growing up. You know, I grew up in a very close-knit community, middle-class family, a lot of opportunity. Folks who had a diagnosis who didn't have that financial support, family support, you know, people who were, you know, close to poverty, almost homeless, um, having a real hard time struggling. And I wasn't anywhere near that, right? I, I was married. I had a job. I was making good money. You were comfortable. I was comfortable. And I didn't really understand what they were going through um, until I really started to dive into, like, how we treat people with disabilities, how the system isn't really set up to support folks who need a lot of services. It's like, if you need a little bit of help, okay, yeah, we can do a little bit here. If you need a little bit more, sorry, we're all out. You're on your own. And then it just it's like a spiraling thing where, you know, by the time you anyone notices that you actually need more support, you're you're on the street. You're living what, homeless. What what led you to actually 
you know, go out there and, di- you know, find diagnosis where to figure out, yeah, I am autistic. Because when you look at the broad spectrum of it, there's everybody has a little bit of ADD, autism, ADHD in them. I mean, is yours to the point where... Like, yeah, the first 29 years, you said. Yeah. You, didn't you, were, you weren't aware. Did well, you feel well like, did you feel like I you was were, aware of something? So, so, so you so felt like something was off. Yeah, I was definitely a weird kid growing up, and everyone who meets me, uh, you know, they spend five minutes with me and they go, okay, there's a little something different about you. I can't tell what it is. And so I spent a lot of time, um, you know, in my teens and 20s trying to not be weird. Like, that was my whole, I just, I didn't want to be weird. And so I really like, calmed down and like didn't talk about the things that i wanted to talk like i figured but, I mean, out how well, to <laughs> define weird though i mean because we- you were a comedian <laughs> yeah, so being exactly. weird would be See, right so i kind of fit you. in with yeah. the people who i was hanging out yeah. with and so they were like i said the privilege that i had was i found i found people who accepted me for who i was and didn't really crack down on me being kind of you know, off yeah. a little bit. Um, but, you know, at the workplace, in relationships, meeting women, dealing with, you know, paperwork and finding, you know, getting in a part, all that stuff, I had to like, all right, today is not the day to be weird. Just do the normal boring things that everyone else does and get through your day. And it was, you know, I had to like make conscious efforts to like, okay, I have to sit and do the paperwork like a normal human would do paperwork and like just all of that, right? And I had to learn how to do that. And that's mostly I was able to because I had a support system. You know, my brother, who's older than me, very responsible. Uh, my parents, both of them had gone, you know, uh, 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 through life understanding how to do X, Y, Z and, and, and be a good parent. And so, like, I, I glommed off of a lot Are of that Are you the stuff. younger one? I'm the middle child, actually. So you're middle child syndrome. Yeah, very much a middle child yeah. syndrome. So I was extra weird for that reason. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm the middle child as well. But yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what it is? I mean, when, when, you, when you keep saying weird, 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 and you're like, you know what, I have to focus on paperwork, do you think it was more of an autistic thing or it was kind of more of like an ADHD, ADD sort of thing? Because, look, like I said, everybody, everybody in their right mind has some sort of ADD. Well, right now, everybody does. Because of course, of this, is, this is our <laughs> ADD does. right now. Yeah, everybody does. I mean, so. you that's that's why that's why I ask. Was it more of like you were you were having trouble focusing on certain things, or because you're saying like you know we're, we're I mean it, it, it's it's your personality though. I mean you're tr- you, are you trying to change your personality? Was it you being I mean because you're saying fill out the paperwork like a normal person. I mean what were you doing? Were you not filling out your name the way it's supposed to be? Or were you like <laughs> dicking around with it? That's that's what I'm trying to he get. He loses attention span. No, 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 no. <laughs> See, yes, and and uh, it's funny you say that. So it's not. It's not ADHD, right? So um, they tried to diagnose me with that when I was a kid, and that back when it was ADD, right? Um, and that's not a thing. My attention span is fine. Uh, I'm not, you know, hyperactive in any way. Um, in fact, my fiance, you know, she is uh, kinetic, is what we call it in, in the in neuro, in neurodiversity industry. Uh-huh. She's, you know, the, the kinetic part of ADHD. Um, it wasn't a it wasn't a focus problem, right? It was a I'm gonna take what I have in front of me and I'm going to find a way to do it my way. So like I'll fill it out back to front or I'll try to write it backwards on the page or I'll try to answer the questions as though I'm the person who's the perfect candidate and now I'm going to fill it out in the role of the person who's definitely going to qualify 
So like all of these little things would come up in my imagination and in my personality, and I'd take things from what other people have said and I'd put them all together instead of just, all right, I'm a person, I'm gonna fill this thing out. Like that's not a thing that I've ever done. So I'm hoping you weren't filling it out like with other names on there. Is no. that what it was? <laughs> I would still use my name. Okay, right? okay, okay. Just want to clarify. He used your name on. It's like he wakes up. You know what? It's like he wakes up. You know what? I'm George Clooney today. George Clooney. I think Arno has good credit. I'm going to buy this car under his name. Yeah, it's right. like calls me up. Hey, Arno, listen, can I borrow your social for about yeah. thirty minutes? That's no, no that's, but it's like going into a job interview. They go, oh, okay, yeah. So, uh, are you uh, a good and working with other people and then you'd be like oh yes i'm excellent at teamwork and i'm like no there's no way i've never i'm terrible at teamwork right but you have to do this like persona and this like show it's like um you're basically acting the whole time to pretend to be a normal normal quote-unquote person that everyone expects you to be and uh, in the in the autistic world they call it masking right yeah. where you put on this mask and you pretend to be a better version of yourself. So what, what are you doing to help yourself with that now? Well, I don't do that anymore. <clears throat> I mean, I learned long ago, take the mask off, be honest, be yourself. If someone doesn't like you for who you are, okay, then you don't hang out with that person or you don't get the job or you don't get on the team or whatever it is. But the converse of that is if you fake it to get on, then you got to fake it the whole time you're with them. And then What's the point there? Now yeah. you're just wasting your time. It becomes a domino effect. Exactly. exactly. The, the concern, I mean, I don't want to, you know, in any way undermine your, your diagnosis, but the problem with medicine today is everything has a label. Everybody, I mean, we can all walk into the doctor, we'll be labeled something. Uh, not something, at least two, three different things. And that's why I think we're asking the questions as far as, you know, is it, Really, autism, is it really... Because typically, from my... Um, what I know, usually autism is diagnosed at a much younger age than sure, 29, sure. right? Uh, it's it's usually, you know, two, three, five... Yeah, yeah, my son to, was diagnosed at six months, yeah. Yeah, so... And I hear you, I hear you. Know, you. And, and I, think, I think the difference is, in our society, um, you said walking into a doctor would get a diagnosis... But what we see, especially with social media, is regular people are diagnosing people they've never met online. Yeah. And that has become the new norm. It's not that there's a bunch of people running to the doctor to ask for a diagnosis. Most people don't go to the doctor because they're afraid of getting a diagnosis. That is a normal thing. Yeah. You have to actually you know, convince your friend or your significant other, your parents, like, you know how hard it is to get my parents to go to the doctor and get a diagnosis? Like, it's impossible. Of course. But what we see now is that we are totally okay as a society labeling somebody uh, bipolar or labeling somebody as, right. uh, you know, hysterical. And, and that that is way more than it used to be, and I think it's because we now have all these terms. You know, science does their job. They find the terms. They do the diagnosis. And it's, you know, a bunch of people in a room who have the background and the knowledge and all the data. And then a, a buzzword gets out, and suddenly everybody is that. Everybody, everybody, everybody know, uses it very loosely. You know why, though, right? You know why they do that? Know, it's, called, it's called an ICD-10 code. What is that? What, what that means is <laughs> it's a billing code, healthcare billing code. So the moment you come up with it, right now it's ICD-10. It used to be 9 before that, you know, the numbers have. Now we're at ICD-10. We have been since 2020, I think, or 2019. 
Uh, basically, what that means is, if I don't put a label on you, what am I billing your visit? For, oh well, right? yeah, in the medical so, profession, sure. Well, yeah. that's why everything has to have a label, and the more codes I put on there, the more I can bill for your visit because I'm only spending 15 minutes time with you. Uh, if I bill what I'm supposed to be billing, I'm going to get paid seventy five dollars. Mm-hmm. Seventy five dollars ain't going to pay my bills, right? So I got to up the diagnosis codes to whatever acronyms or codes I can possibly ta- tag on to you. And, you know, we'll say, oh, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you, can, you can worry about it down the road, but obviously none of it is most likely even relevant. But it helps me build $215 instead of $75. Yeah. And that's part of the, uh, you know, the corruption and the mess we have in the healthcare system. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm a single-payer Medicare for All advocate, so you're preaching to the choir, you know, that – whole monetary system needs to go away with our health care. Yeah. So. According to you, I think now half, half our audience uh, self-diagnosed themselves too. <laughs> Everybody's on WebMD now. Hey, guys, <laughs> a- after the show, we're going to be giving away blue and red plaques. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, yeah, let's move forward. So you, you found that out officially that you have autism, and then um, you decided to get more involved in the... ADA community, right? So, yeah, the disability rights community is basically the my first foyer into politics in general, right? And I find that um, entering those spaces, uh, there's a lot of folks who, um, you know, they, they need to get across their message, but they just don't have the words or ability or any of that stuff. And by me entering in that space... With all of my background as an actor and performer and my time on stage and my ability to improvise, I just have a much more um, natural communication method. And so people who you know have been doing this for years or much more educated than I, they'll just invite me along to stuff and say, hey, we're doing this thing. Can you come with us and talk to the press and talk to the, the administrators and talk to the people who are in charge? And I'm like... Okay, why do you what do you need me for? They go, because you're good at talking to people. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I start to get involved in this stuff, and I, you know, I spend a lot of time learning the the problems, like understanding the law. And I sit with my friends who have you know degrees in in this kind of thing, and I go, okay, well, why is this like this? And where did that come from? And what's the history here? So I start to educate myself so I can uh, advocate for the people who need advocating. And I and, you know I tell people. Uh, all the time that at this point in my life, I become a voice for the voiceless, people who literally cannot speak, who need the things that they need, and I show up and I just start to advocate for them on their behalf. Um, And it becomes sort of, um, I don't know, a sort of a very um, integral part of who I am as a person. I start to go to these these things regularly and, and you know, it turns from advocacy to protests. It turns from protests to legislation. It turns to, you know, talking to actual politicians who write the laws and change the laws and stuff. And so just more and more I get involved. And this um, is with no previous political experience, no, no political science degree, no, no. Co- co- any college education? I did not graduate college, no. I spent... High um, school? I, sp- I did graduate right, high right. school. Okay. Uh, I had to leave my last year of college to uh, take care of my grandfather who had uh, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Mm. 
Um, he was, you know, uh, basically at the end of his life. It wasn't quite hospice yet, but they needed, you know, my family needed somebody to sit with him, take care of him, move him from the bathroom and the, you know, and clean him up and feed him and all this stuff. And my grandmother, you know, she was uh, in her, in her close to her seventies, so she wasn't able to do it. And so out of every, you know, uh, my brother had a job and, I had a cousin who was working, and like I was the only one at the time who was like, "Well, I'm taking twelve units at night. You know, I'm doing night school, so I guess I can take care of him." And so I moved in with the with the grandparents, took care of him, and sort of more and more of my time went away. And my last six months of school just kind of disappeared. And so you know, I'm eleven units shy. Uh, maybe at some point I'll go back and get the degree, but uh, it kind of just fell away and. Once he moved into hospice, I moved down to Burbank, and we were off to the races. I didn't need a degree to become a, a, an actor, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I just, uh, I don't know, never got around back to it. But, you know, I still uh, educate myself on the things I need to learn about. I, I'm very good at, like, you know, reading up on things instead of just, you know, watching a, a short YouTube video or, or, or informing myself from memes. So <laughs> I have a, a tendency to really do a deep dive into... Yeah. Yeah, policy and stuff like that. And then from there, was your uh, Hollywood career kind of not going in the direction you wanted? That's why you got into politics, or was it because of the whole disability? How you became more proactive in in, in no, that um, realm? You know, my my Hollywood career was actually taking off. I was doing pretty well. Um, I didn't have to work at Universal Studios anymore. I didn't have to work a side job at a you know waiting tables. You know, a hundred percent of my income was coming from acting and and you know uh, union uh work um but it was really the um the the knowledge that i was going to be a father that really changed the course of my life i got a regular job and started doing that um and working in property management and rentals and that kind of thing and then i started driving for uber and lyft in my spare time so you know i did that <clears throat> and um that was interesting i really enjoyed that job um i'm probably going to go back to it uh, this week, I just got my car washed. I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll start up some Uber and Lyft again. Uh, meet new people, huh? Yeah, meet new people. You never know. You never know. Imagine um, you're sitting down in Burbank. Hey, wait. Hey, that's the vice, vice mayor, mayor driving me <laughs> to the airport. <laughs> Where to? Where to? Well, it's it's better that way because then if they ask me to speed, I can tell them no. <laughs> um, so at that point, around uh, 2015, um, the, uh, the presidential uh, race was happening. And I got really, really, for the first time ever, excited about a candidate for office. You know, I I had liked uh, Obama when he was in office, but I wasn't excited for him when he ran originally. Um, you know, not like I was with, like, Al Gore, right? Al Gore was, like, my guy. You know, environmentalism and all of that stuff, inventing the Internet. You know, all of that stuff was kind of, like, it was exciting to a young kid. Yeah. Um, but when Bernie? Ber when Bernie Sanders oh. announced, it was huge for me yeah. um, because he was talking about the stuff that I was dealing with. You know, I mean, just the student loans thing alone was like, oh, my God. And then the health insurance stuff. You know, I went for years without health insurance. And it was uh, so important to me to, to really understand why all of my friends were, you know, excited about Bernie. And I was excited about Bernie. So I started to get involved and and really pay attention. Um, <clears throat> but one of the things that uh, bothered me was that he didn't have disability rights in his platform. 
Sanders. And, and Sanders. Yeah. He didn't have it, right? He, okay. he did in uh, 2020, which was great. But in 2016, he wasn't. However, there was another candidate who was, and that was Hillary Clinton. And she was the first presidential candidate in history to actually have a disability rights platform as her campaign material. Like, this was part of the campaign. And I was kind of excited about that. And so, you know, um, around April, when uh, Bernie was um, mathematically eliminated, right, it's like, okay, I voted for you, and you can't win. I'm sad about it, and everyone else is sad about it. But, all right, let's look at what Hillary's doing. I actually joined her team, uh, the disability rights team, and I got online with her and her team, and and it's funny, a bunch of a bunch of former uh, uh, Bernie supporters were in the room with me. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're here too. Uh, what are you going to do? And so <laughs> we just moved forward with it. Um, and that really got me sort of like on the ground level working on policy, interacting with voters, really reaching out. Uh, she had a huge uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram campaign, but majority of her work online was on Facebook. And I would actually go in and interact with people commenting and what about this? I'm like, okay, I'll give you an answer here. And what are we doing here? Okay, here, here. And, uh, you know, that was my first inkling of um, all of the uh, really nastiness that was happening on social media at the time. Because, you know, uh, you know, nine out of ten comments were very supportive, but then every so often you get one that was just like, oh, my God, who are you? Do I need to call the authorities on your, your violent threats? It's like, whoa, calm down. You know there's an actual person here, right? So, anyway, that, that got out of hand. But uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was interesting for me to see that, and, and it really informed how I continue to interact with politics, I'll never get to that point. Like, I've seen what happens when you are just angry and hateful and, and ruinous in your, in your interactions with people who don't agree with you. It never wins them over. If your point is to win them over, that's not going to do it. Right. If you just want to shame people yeah. and, and burn them to the ground, okay, that's you. But that's not me as a person. I'll never do that. So I really, like, had a crash course on political discourse uh, in that 2016 election. Well, well, question for you. Let me ask you this. Did you vote for Hillary? I did eventually, yes, um, because, the only, you know, the only reason I ask is this. I, you know, I, I've known people, I, well, I know people who were Bernie supporters. Mm-hmm. And the ones that were actual Bernie supporters, the ones that were true, you know, kind of by-the-book Democratic Socialists, if you, might, if you want to call them, mm-hmm. a lot of them were kind of disappointed that Bernie was kind of thrown under the bus. Yep, yep. And they refused to vote for Hillary. They yeah. didn't jump ship. Yeah. I'm, shocked, I'm surprised why you would jump ship. Well, at the end of the day, you know, even as a California voter, <laughs> the state was going to go blue regardless. Of course. But, but I think for me, it was much more about a statement that, you know, the nightmare that is Donald Trump that, and that he was at that time. For me, voting for Hillary... Uh, was a conscience vote. It was, I had to go with what I believed in, that there's no way in hell I could ever, ever support anyone other than the person who's going to stop Donald Trump. Right? So, that so, was the thing. So you voted, you didn't vote for a party, you more more so voted against the party. At that point, yes. I mean, At that you, point. Okay. I mean, yeah. do, you, do you think that's a logical way of voting, though? Oh, yes, you have to be strategic with your voting. So I vote, tell people voting against all, somebody, even though they're, even though... Even though you know Hillary's values and morals kind of still don't fit with what you have. I mean, you know, ninety percent sure, but not a hundred percent like Bernie. 
But for me, I tell everyone all the time, you always have to go out and vote. You always have to think strategically with your vote. And you always have to try to get the most out of your vote. So for me, when I look at all the policies that Hillary was running on, you know, it wasn't everything that I wanted, but it was way more than I would have gotten with with Donald Trump. And so it's a no-brainer for me to go with it, even though a protest vote in California wouldn't have mattered anyway. Yeah. So for me, you know, it, it's a it's a conscience vote. So I guess. We'll, we'll get into we'll get into uh, you know Trump and Bernie and Hillary. But let let me ask you this: as far as with the city of Burbank, what led you to get you know get into local mm-hmm. politics, and why did you run in the city of Burbank? And, yeah. and how and what was your campaign based on? Because you said you were turned off by Bernie's campaign because he wasn't advocating for uh, the, the disability, disability, rights, yeah. right? disability rights, whereas Hillary was. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm curious as to, and just a follow-up question to him, is what was your campaign based on? Like, what were the three things you were running on? Okay, yeah, I'll get into that. Uh, sure. So first off, mm-hmm. I ran for uh, the um, city council of Burbank um, the day after Trump won 2016. The night that it happened and that whole day, you know, me and all of my friends were very, very concerned. You know, there's that picture of that one girl who's like crying that Donald Trump won. Uh, we were what, all those what people. What year was this? It was 2016. 2016. So that's, that was the okay. meme of the year. Yeah. The meme of the year. Dude, we were all that meme. There was everyone I knew was that meme. Um, you know, I don't even laugh at that meme. I just look at it and go, truth. That is the truth. That's how I felt. It's not even funny. It's just honest. Um, I should have worn my Trump hat. <laughs> I know there's a lot of Trump supporters listening in, but I, I'm speaking my truth here. Yeah. No, no, we respect everybody's truth. Go ahead. And so for me, the day after, I remember like waking up that morning as if from like a fever dream and just realizing I had to do something. I had to do something local. I had to do something to support the people around me because this you know nightmare was going to be coming from the federal government. So what can I do? locally and i thought back and i and i remembered that bernie sanders started his career as the mayor of burlington vermont and i'm like if that guy 40 years ago could start in local politics why can't i so i popped open my phone and i typed in three words burbank city elections on my google bar and the first thing that popped up it said now accepting applications for burbank city council so the opening period for accepting applications was the Monday before the Tuesday election, the day before. So that whole week. Before the Tuesday election? So the Tuesday election for president, the day before. Oh, the president. The president election, election okay. of 2016. Yeah, okay. I thought you meant the local elections. No, no, no. I was no. going to say that's a. Yeah. So the election for, for city council would come later that March, March uh, 2017. Ah, okay. And so I like. Talked to everyone who was on my uh, disability rights team, the people I'd worked with, with on the Hillary campaign, and, you know, got a lot of experience, people who were actually uh, previously elected. The former mayor of Huntington Beach was uh, uh, giving me uh, tips and tricks, and uh, he, he'll, I'll never forget what he said. He said, look, it doesn't matter if you win, okay? It only matters if you run a winning campaign. And I said, what's the difference? He said, look, if you only run to win you're going to run you're going to run a scorched earth campaign you're going to sling mud and you're going to do everything you can to come in first place nobody's going to enjoy that nobody's going to like that you're going to hate it and if you do get in office everyone's going to hate you for doing it 
Okay, so what's the difference? He goes, just run a winning campaign. Be positive, run on the issues, congratulate everybody for being there, and maybe you come in fourth or fifth place. But you ran a winning campaign. And so that's what I did. I ran on a positive message. I never attacked any of my opponents. And, you know, my three, my, the, the three things that I had on all my business cards and all my, thi- all my uh, posters, it was housing, affordable housing, homelessness, and community policing. Those are my three issues. Community policing, I put that as a plank of my platform almost four years before uh, George Floyd. What, what do you mean by community yeah, policing? Yeah, elaborate yeah. on that. So community policing is the idea that police officers are not the arbiters of the law, but rather members of the community. And so one of the things that's happened in the last 30 years or so is that most police officers in cities across the country don't actually live in the communities that they police. They come from outside. And so when they show up, it's a job to them. The people who are there on the streets are there to be policed, right? And I'm not saying that every cop thinks that way, but when you when you hire from outside, it turns into that mentality. And we've created a structure where police are now encouraged to do that policing rather than be members of the community. And to the point where now, like on TikTok, it's such a rare occurrence to see a cop you know, park his car, get out, and play some basketball with the kids. That used to happen all the time. Back in the 80s and 90s, like, that used to be a thing. Now cops are encouraged. Nope. These are Why the are they encouraged, though? That's just, that's the way policing is set up in this country now. You have to keep them safe. Everyone could have a gun. Everyone could have a, a possible bail warrant or a, you know, a, a misdemeanor out, outstanding. You know, all of that you, stuff. You think that's what it is? No, that, that is what it is. That's the, you know, if you look at the demographics, you look at the statistics, all the research, the way we train officers in this day and age, and, and I'm talking about Burbank specifically, I'm talking about the rest of the country. What we do a little bit different in Burbank, and a lot of small towns has changed it, but when we see uh, policing around the country, it's very much become that us versus them mentality. What we do in Burbank is very different. We spend a lot of time getting our police interacting with the community we have police community days we have coffee with the cop we do a lot of things where our public events we invite the police to be out there and interact with the community when people ask you know it it was um it was a commentary during the george floyd uh uh, protests and all that stuff uh someone asked a sociologist to say well what what is the, the 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 type of policing that everyone's looking for what is the kind of policing that people want and the response was, go to any majority white suburban neighborhood, and that's the kind of cops everyone wants. And they're talking about Burbank. Like, what we do here is what other cities should be doing. And, you know, big, huge metropolitan areas like L.A. and New York and Chicago, they just don't do that. They don't invest in the community like we do here. And so that was one of the planks that I was running on is is really strengthening that community relation, that uh, um community policing type of a mentality and then well let's break that down a little bit because I, I remember you had posted a book called uh and policing right? the end of policing end yeah. of policing what exactly was that book about so it talks about how the system in which we've created um so like modern policing what we know to be the modern cops patrolling and writing tickets and arresting people that's only been around for about 100 years you go back into the 1900s, 
And it was basically just the cops on the street broke up fights, like actual violence. They would stop violence. That's mostly because we didn't have, you know, even the technology of fingerprinting, let alone DNA, you know, over 100 years ago. So there was no major investigations or, or detective work, you know. That, you know, that was the time of Sherlock Holmes, like, hey, look at this one guy who can actually solve crimes using detective work, right? It was such a rare case. They wrote a, b- a bunch of books about it. But that's so common now. That is what we think of cops now. They're going out there. They're arresting people. They're investigating crimes. They're quelling, you know, whatever uh, 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 demonstrations or riots or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Enforcing traffic. Enforcing traffic, writing tickets. Yeah, that kind of thing. We never really had that before. Um, well, well, what were they going to enforce? Horse, horse carriages? I mean, they yeah. could have if we wanted them. I mean, the sheriff would do that sometimes, right? Also, also population-wise, we were – remember – Burbank and Glendale and, you know, majority of California was founded in, like, the 1800s. Right. <laughs> so I mean, Burbank wasn't even Burbank. Burbank, <laughs> Burbank wasn't even Burbank. It was just dirt roads. That's Burbank, all it was. Yeah, yeah. 1912? 1911, yeah. Yeah, 1911, just around the same time as Glendale, in the, like the late 1800s, mm-hmm. early 1900s. So, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, but, you know, it, it things change. Yeah. People need to adapt, and, um, you know, cars came around, and mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. started speeding, and... You know, traffic violations and gun violence. Sure, and, but and even and if and you look at what the police were in even the 1950s and 60s, right? So, you know, the, the time of uh, Mayberry and, and Andy Griffith and all that stuff, right. right? So the cops at that time were only one step above that level of uh, uh, patrolling the streets and walking the beat, right? They didn't really go out and find the people who were breaking the law. They just kind of maintain the social order and if they saw someone breaking the law they would break it up right they'd stop it and that really changed in like the 80s and 90s when crime across the country especially the united states across the country spiked we had but but what changed i'm glad you brought up the 50s and 60s what's changed since then well as far as Let's look at the culture of the United States, right? The fine family dynamics, the nuclear family mm-hmm. that's being broken apart. Mm-hmm. You talk about how, and I agree with you. I, I for example, I any time a cop pulls me over, which is very, very rare. I'm very, I'm very respectful towards them, especially Burbank, because I love the police officers in Burbank. They're they're very responsive. But the but but what's changed, and you should know this better than I do, is when you have a police department like the LAPD or many of these metropolitan areas where every couple of months they're introduced a new 40-page protocol, and the protocol is something like uh, before you step out of your car, here are the 10 things you got to make sure you do. Now, once you've stepped out of the car, before you can touch your belt, you got to make sure these you've met these eight criterias. Before you, you even touch your gun, you got to make sure you've met these 48 uh, criterias. Before... You do that before you do this, before you take your flashlight out. I mean, it's become pretty much you have to. It's like trying to diagnose somebody. uh, Before even reaching the car. Yeah, before even getting out of the car. What can I do so that I don't get sued, so that there aren't 85 people trying to record me? Because police have been turned into villains in this country by the media and by politicians. And the culture of this country has completely shifted to, you know, 
from a from a conservative logical standpoint to emotion based that's why if you look at you have to look at the overall statistics less fathers are present okay in households um because mothers were encouraged to go to work uh to, they're they're pushed to be career women um now it's like kids are growing up without a father figure in their household and if you look at the metropolitan area especially or or if you look at the incarceration statistics majority of those guys sitting in prison don't have a father they don't have a father growing up so that's what's changed since 1950 and 60 the police officers haven't changed as much the protocols have turned into ridiculous amount of red tape and in every industry but especially in policing i mean and this is there's there was a new protocol that they were discussing actually a couple of weeks ago at the LAPD, which they were going over everything they have to check off before they can actually pull you out of the car. It, you might as well just say, you know what, guy, just don't worry about it. Just go. Just go. Yeah. And if you're going to kill somebody, let us know. We'll come and pick up the butt. I mean, that's how ridiculous it's become. That's what's changed, in my opinion. It has nothing. Cops don't Cops don't want, don't want trouble. I mean, yes, there's you know bad apples, but cops don't want trouble with, with the local citizens. They want to be, they want to, you know, uh, get down on their knee, help you fix, help the kid fix their bike and play around the basketball or whatever. A hundred percent. I still think they want that, but they can't because even if he plays basketball with you, he shoves you, you're going to sue the department. Oh, he shoved me. <laughs> you're playing fucking basketball with him. What do you expect? <laughs> you know what it was like going back to what you were saying as far as the fifties in the fifties, it was, it was the whole, you know, the white picket fence, the American dream, every neighbor knew each other. What do you think happened in the 80s and 90s? Well, what was, what was the big boom that happened in the 80s and 90s? So I'll explain that by pointing out that everything that you said, it sounds nice, and it's a great talking point, but none of the research bears it out. What research? So the research in policing, the research in who goes to prison, the research in how cops behave when they're on the force. I'd love to see that research because I could I could pop all the research. Everything that I just told you is based on facts. Facts that look at the number of the the two point I think it's two point three million incarcerated. Over seventy percent of them don't have a father. Yeah. So yeah. which part of that is inaccurate? So it's the reason why they're in prison. They're not in prison because they don't have a father. They're in prison because without a father Mm-hmm. who is statistically um, uh, uh, more likely to earn more money than a single mother, right? Because there's the wage gap, right? Women earn less than men do. Without a father, that that person sitting in prison is much less likely to have a financial support system when they were growing up. So and that leads me to the reasons of what happened in the 80s and 90s, why we had such a high crime well, before you say, so, so Well, before you say that... Somebody so it's not a nice yeah. story, though, because you said what I said was a nice story, but then you just reaffirmed what I said was a yeah. stat. Right, but what's a what, fact? Right, but that's now not what the reason is. It's financial. It has to do with the fact that majority of the uh, people incarcerated are men. Right. Mm-hmm. By the way, do you think there's how many genders do you think there are? Since we keep on saying <laughs> men, and really women? quickly, I'm curious. We ask this to all everybody. Sure, sure. There's as many genders as you want to date, man. Okay. We'll, we'll get, we'll, <laughs> okay. Well, that's, so I, I disagree that we should uh, point out genders to other people. It's however many you want. Okay, we'll, we'll get into that later as well. But see, so, well, well, out of the 
you know, unlimited amount of genders in prison. <laughs> we have, I think, men and women, and men occupy mm-hmm. majority. More, majority, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's because, and I'll say again, this. It, it, but now, if seventy plus percent of these men mm-hmm. didn't have a father figure growing up, you don't think it has anything to do with the fact that boys have to have a father in their life in order to keep them on track? Well, regardless you have of to the have financial, a father figure. I would well, say father, yeah, figure. A father figure. Yeah, and sure. In, and when there's no father figure at home, who do they turn to? They'll they'll turn to the next person who's basically older than them. It might be the wrong person. It might be somebody that's possibly well, part of a yes, gang. Possibly. Except, I mean, there's no guarantee that their father's a good person. So, like, you have to find good well, father course. figures, regardless. No, no, no. Uh, you, and more than one. And here's the thing: statistically, people who have more than one father figure in their life actually do better, better in life. They're more successful. You have to have a complement of people supporting. You know, the old phrase, it takes a village. So I'll go back to my original. Yes, the statistic holds true that the majority of people in prison didn't have a father figure, but mm-hmm. it's not just the presence of a father figure that helps people out. It's the economic component of that. It's the larger family unit or larger village unit community base. Right. And that goes back to my understanding of the reasons why the 80s and 90s changed. And what we had fundamentally in this country was a huge amount of economic wealth change hands from the lower classes to the upper classes. It started in the late 70s, and it continued through the 80s and 90s with corporatization and large, you know, amassing of wealth at the top 1% and 2% of the country. And that eventually created not just a lack of middle class, but actually a huge underclass in this society. And it had people, nothing to do with immigration? There's, I mean... What it, w- it was just because more and more corporations were formed after the 80s? Yes, and the immigration problem that we have is not the problem that you think it is. We have an immigration problem in that people who immigrate here to this country mm-hmm. have a much harder time becoming a citizen than many other developed nations. We actually, as a country, need to fast-track someone's ability to get a Social Security card, to work a full job, and to earn a pension. Right now, we have people who come in and basically have to work cash under the table jobs, pay no taxes for less than what is minimum wage, and they have to wait five, six, seven years, pay huge, I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars to go through the naturalization process. And at that point, they don't, you know, you can only get a green card for a little bit of time it's such a hard and arduous process to get to be a full citizen. That, that's actually to. not true because the moment you arrive here, as long as you didn't jump the border. Legally. If you get here legally, right, you can get a tax ID number right away and you can start paying your taxes day one and develop your social credit, as you probably like to call it. So what you're saying is not true. You don't have to, you don't have to work under the table I've been an employer for 20 years. I've never, ever in my life paid anybody under the table. I've had people who were here legally without documentation as far as Social Security and all that, and I've legally paid them a fine wage. Why? Because they had a tax ID number. Sure. Well, those right? are not those are not the immigrants that I think we're talking about. Well, well, not, should, why not? Well, because they come here and they, they work like everybody else, so they wouldn't affect the economics that you're... Asking about. So are you talking about the illegal immigrants? That's is that the, what you're talking about? The illegal about? immigration is what's ruining the, the, co- the country because of our inability to take people in. We, we force folks 
to, you know, like you said, jump the ship and climb over walls and whatnot. And we create an, a, a, an under-economy, right, a, a black market economy. Whereas if we just simply said, look, if you come here, you come here, whatever it is, a, a, a sanctuary or, or, or immigration or, or you're running from whoever, a violence, whatever. All right, great. Here's the paperwork. Fill it out. And we take them in just like the regular legal immigrants – then there's no difference in so, who they are, and they can't affect the economy. So the way basic, want them so to. basically, bring them in through law and order, right? Because yeah, when but we need to change the laws because I, they're I, just too restrictive. Right well, now. here's the thing: majority of the people that basically cross the border nowadays will call, cross over illegally. Well, not majority, but there is a lot. But there's yeah, a lot. But sure, there is there is a very easy way to cross the border. When you whether you're seeking <laughs> whether whether you're seeking whether you're seeking asylum, it's not easy, man. Trust me. Listen, I've talked to a lot of people who've tried it. Okay, and it's why are they and easy. why are they being rejected? For a number of reasons, they didn't qualify for sanctuary. They didn't qualify for the uh, the visa program. They didn't qualify for you know they filled out their paperwork wrong because they don't speak English. I mean, there's so many. I can refer you to an immigration attorney who goes through all this stuff, and it's amazing how difficult it is. And it doesn't have to be that difficult. You want to go to Canada. I mean, it's easy. You fill out two pieces of paper, and you can be an immigrant. You, know you start why? working. Name me five people that want to go to Canada. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. I mean, name me five people. All the celebrities were supposed to go to Canada after yeah, Trump. We, got we, we were supposed to buy tickets to people who <laughs> go to Canada in 2016. Where, why didn't they move to Canada? All right. Well, but you're saying it's a supply and demand thing. It shouldn't because be because nobody way. wants to go anywhere else. Everybody wants to come to the United States so of bring America. Them in. I don't why, know why bring them in? Why shouldn't we? There has to be a certain... You have to have a cap. Why? A million why? people a year, why? three million people a year. Have you been to Idaho? There's nothing out there, man. So you why aren't, another okay. three or four million people. So, so, so why aren't... Idaho? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why aren't people going to Idaho? Why is it that majority, <laughs> majority of the people are, are moving to metropolitan areas and, inf and basically flooding the cities? Well, I, I think Idaho is one, of, one nice. of those states, or was it Ohio? One of these guys was offering a... Six-figure salary, a home, for you to move there. Why? Because nobody gives a flying to move there. So, again, the, everything has to have a cap. You cannot just have a limited number okay. of people, you know, yeah, swarming it's like, you in think here. You want, you want to basically, you want to come to the United States? By all means. Yes, come to the United States. Do it the legal way. Right. But what I'm saying is we should change the legal way. As it's in just let everybody in? No, not let everybody in, but make it real easy. For more people. So how many people a year would you say? What should be the cap? Well, whatever the cap is now is way it's too not low. Enough. It's just not. It, it's got to be way higher. And we how are, would we support these people through, let's say... They know. can get a job. They can support themselves. Look, we are being out-populized by China and India and other countries. And one of the things that we're not doing is letting people come here and get to work and pursue the American dream. What we, but hold on, hold on. You're saying... Depopulized by China and India, meaning I they're mean, outpacing us. That's what I'm saying. They're outpacing us, but the people that live in China and India are Chinese and Indian. Not all of them. They have immigration too. Uh, how many Mexicans how many, do they have yeah. in China? <laughs> Please elaborate. No, and how many Greeks how, do yeah. they have? Or they're, Armenians? Right, but what I'm saying is, in those countries, they have their own immigration population, right? So in China, you have people in the surrounding areas. You've got Thailand. You've got Singapore. You've got Korea. And they immigrate as well because it's closer, right? Okay. And India is the same way. You know, you've got people in uh, in uh, Kashmir. You've got people uh, coming from the other uh, mountainous regions. In that, it, 
they all have their own immigration. How easy is it to become a citizen in China? Actually, China takes a lot of people, and they will gladly do it because I didn't say take in. I oh. said to become. <laughs> I said to become a citizen in China. I actually don't know the paperwork. There. It's very very difficult. Really? It's very very difficult okay. being a communist country. <laughs> you know they don't take everybody in. All right. They do take a lot. I know they take a lot. And they, I'm not you, sure what you, the They might take is. you and you, they, you might not be able to get out. But, uh, <laughs> that, there you go. <laughs> so, you know, because it, it's important to understand your, again, I'm trying to understand your point of view because I know, you know, uh, we talked about policing, but earlier you mentioned about student loans, right? You mm-hmm. said you love the fact that Bernie wanted to completely pretty much wipe off student loans, which yeah, is $1.8 yeah. trillion, dollars, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, make uh, a public education free. So, so like all college should have been free. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, over the last 30, 40 years, um, how much has inflation been on just about any consumer good? You know? Well, inflation, I, I, if I know where you're going with this, inflation on consumer goods has not, is been much lower than the inflation on, say, the price of college. So like what's what like do you know how much I don't know the exact on inflation but I know uh, the college the rate of upper education is somewhere between nine and ten times higher it's almost than, eleven times yes it's it's the inflation has been twelve hundred forty eight percent whereas everything else is about hundred and twenty percent so I want to understand your logic as far as a where do we get one point eight trillion dollars. And why do we need to? Because you know the the cost of college went up when the government got involved in college loans. Prior, oh to, yeah, right. Oh yeah, I know. So that. now what you're suggesting is uh, they're Free too college. big to fail. Let's just pay everything off, right? Yeah, the government screwed up. We shouldn't have done it in the first place. Okay, so so, so bailout basically <laughs> uh, <laughs> bailout for itself. No, bailout for the students. It's a student bailout rather than a corporate bailout. Because uh, you asked you ask me, where do we get the $1.7 trillion? The uh, government has that money. They wait. have the debt. You just zero out the screen. Just add more debt. Yes. Or, or you mean they have the debt, just somebody in there you call, you know, hey, Johnny, can just, you, can could you just, delete could that? Could you just take out the cartridge, blow in okay. it, put it back and in? That's it. And, and that's what, it. Happens, <laughs> what happens 20 years from now as, as the college tuition continues to go up? Well, you know, that's it. You make it free. If, so, so, so I'm going to go to Harvard just, for free. No, no, not a private university, public university. Public, but but you know, majority of this is you know what Harvard's endowment is. Well, you don't get a you don't get a government loan to go to Harvard. You get a government loan to go to UC, US UCLA. Like it's not a private. You don't go to private school on government funds. That's your scholarship and grants and stuff the, like the that. The one point eight trillion dollars does include those loans too, because there's a lot of students who do go to these private schools. But do apply for federal funding. Well, only if they've gone through the 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 undergraduate degree. If I'm not mistaken, most majority of the people who are well, you can't go to Harvard without. No, I know, I understand I that. Mean, unless you're top point two percent in the yeah. country, well, right? But here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing. If this, if the upper graduate uh, uh, public universities became instantly free, then the market for how much it costs to go to college for these private universities is drastically going to change. They're going to have to lower their prices. But but why but why do I need to pay for somebody else's mistake who went to school to study? What do you mean you pay? you're not paying for anything? Uh, of course, about? because oh. well, if they can just wipe out that 1.8 trillion dollars. Yeah, you don't have to pay anything. Wh- why it just don't goes they, to zero. Okay. Why don't they wipe out my mortgage then? Ah, now that is an excellent mm-hmm. question. 
Because why not? Why can't you just live for free, right? I understand. The government pays me five grand a month. I don't have a mortgage. Oh, no by, car payment. Mark, by the way, federal loans are you do get federal loans for private schools as well. Oh, you do? Oh, okay. Yes, you I do. actually you didn't do. know that. Okay. Yeah. I learned so, some today. So why, well, here's why, why not do that? The mortgage, obviously, is through a private lender. That's mm-hmm. a bank. But at the end of the day, it gets your sold house, off to who? Freddie Mac, yeah. Fannie Mae, right? Fannie Mae, and Freddie who are Mac. those? Private lenders. They're not government? Well, they're government as well, and they're yeah. private Well, lenders. they're backed. They're backed by the government, yeah. but they're on the private. So but at the end of the day, your house is worth something, right? Your education is not. Not a dollar value. You can't sell it to somebody else. You can't make a profit back on the return. I'm, I'm just glad. So you, there's no you, collateral on it, basically. That's right. No, yeah. he, what he did, he just admitted your education is worthless. <laughs> $1.8 trillion doesn't mean jack shit. We can wipe it out because <laughs> your liberal studies, PhD... I mean, honestly, you can't well, do hey, anything look, with it, right? I don't have a degree, so I can't come out and say a degree is worth something because I don't have Neither one. Neither do I. <laughs> Neither do I. But well, people need to go learn a trade, man. That's what I'm telling people. But my point is, I, no, because I, you know, there has to be an agreement somewhere. We can't just share opinion without. Yeah. And from what I can tell you, agreeing that that 1.8 trillion dollars, majority of those loans, unless it was in some type of specific science medicine, was worthless. So you're asking the government to wipe out, say. A good more than half of, you know, 60, 70% of that for people who decided to study, you know, history or archaeology, stuff that, you know, you can't make eight bucks an hour doing so. And now they have to wipe that out. Mm -hmm. But before doing so, you got to go to Harvard and say, listen, that $30 billion endowment you got, all that cash sitting in your bank, why don't you distribute that? You know, because they can actually pay off their student loans for the next 50 years. Oh, they've got enough money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, So why does the government have to do it? These guys have profited (laughs) so much money off of of the the government supporting them. Why does the... Because... Ultimately, that money is going to come out of our pocket, right? Well, not, well, not only no. government, bro. How many private entities have basically funded these major private universities? Right, right. But hold on now. I want to just push back on something that you said. Eventually, that money is going to come out of your pocket. It won't. It won't. That's not how government money works, right? We don't tax specifically from people and pay specifically to stuff. Taxing is done because we want people to behave in a certain way. We want people to, uh, 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 you know, Keep track of what they're doing and how much they're earning, and it, it's it's all control, right? That's how taxes work. When you spend, you come from the pool of money that you've got and you spend it. But at the end of the day, there's this uh, um, new way of thinking called modern monetary theory. If you heard about this, MMT, is that which part is part of the Marxist theory, or uh, no? It's just a, a a new economist. It's a post 1972, you know, after the gold shock understanding of how. Fiat currency, which is a government-issued currency, Mm -hmm. has its own power. At the end of the day, we actually, in this country, don't need to tax anybody ever, and we can still fund everything that we want. Converse to that, Mm -hmm. we can tax people a lot more and not spend a dime, and it doesn't make a difference. The only thing that we have to worry about with government spending and government taxing is the behavior of people to reduce inflation. That's, that, this is what modern monetary theory says. And so mm-hmm. knowing that, that we have a fiat currency and that really what we're trying to do is, is, is stem the tide of inflation, the real question you should be asking me is, if we get rid of student loans, mm-hmm. you're not going to pay for it. You're not gonna, nobody's going to pay for it because the government 
zeroing on the line. Okay. But will that stimulation to the economy, will getting millions and millions of people who are paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars each month in their student loans, by eliminating that, what does that do to the economy? Will people start spending that money frivolously? Will they pay off debt? Will it change inflation? And that is the real question of well, what no, that It's not do. a question. There's actually proof of what will happen. It's called the pandemic or pandemic, right? How much money was distributed during the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. There was um, again, 40% of... Not enough. <laughs> not enough. Not enough. Really? So I mean, I'm still waiting for my $2,000 check. So, so. 40, 40% <laughs> of all money that's ever been printed was printed during the pandemic, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is how many trillion? Oh, yeah. That's a lot. It's a More lot. More than 1.8? Yeah. Right? So with that money, tell me how many people you know that actually went up the uh, economic ladder. Now they're up and from, you know, lower middle class to middle class or middle mm-hmm. class to higher. You know, tell me how many people actually climb up the well, economic ladder. With there that. wasn't enough money to do that. But there you was barely 1.8 enough. trillion right. would be enough. There was barely enough for people to not become homeless. That's all that that money was for because people weren't working. We were in a crisis mode, right? So you're right. It was about the same amount of money. and Actually, it was more than twice the amount of more money. More than twice. Yeah. More than twice. And how much was the average check that was distributed? $600. Yeah. yeah so, you, bucks, yeah. so what you're saying is $600 prevented from a lot of people from becoming homeless? There was uh, people who were very close to it. And it wasn't just one check. I mean, it was a couple of times. So twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean, twelve hundred dollars. It was two checks. It was two checks. Was What's two the checks. average rent in Burbank? Well, it didn't really help people in Burbank. So then what? Well, not yeah. only Burbank. It didn't help people in Glendale. Didn't help people in Pasadena. Yeah. Didn't help people in La Cunada. So it on was and most on and yeah. on and yeah. on. It helped the homeless people buy more crack. That's all it did. That's not. No, no. Here, here, here's how economy. This is how economics work. Let me, and then you can dive into your modern. Uh, what was the theory called? The modern monetary theory. Modern, okay, yeah. so the way the, the way economics works is what what happened during the pandemic is they distributed four, five, six trillion dollars, whatever that was, knowing that what people are going to do is they're going to go back to spending their money at Walmart, Amazon, Apple. You know, here, here's what I've noticed: the poorest people are always the ones that have the latest iPhone, Android phone. And now the average phone cost is about fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars. Easily, I I don't have the latest iPhone. Okay, so explain to me how these people don't have the money. You know, they were borderline homeless, yet they always have the latest iPhone and Android phone. How is that possible? I don't know who these people are that you're Every, talking to. Lo- everybody, everyone I know who's either either living on the street or living house to house, they still have a flip phone. Those are the people I talk to. I have, so I, I, I don't know. I haven't, seen, bro, a I haven't seen a flip phone I, since, since yeah. high school, bro. Yeah, yeah. They're called the, the old Obama phones. Remember those? And we were just giving them out uh, four or five I, I years ago? I haven't seen a flip phone. I think only person that has a flip phone that I know is my father-in-law because he just doesn't <laughs> want to use a smartphone. Yeah. Does he really but, have a flip phone? Because well, he makes five phone calls. He doesn't, need, he doesn't need it. Yeah, no texting, no Facebook, nothing. no texting, none of that. So flip phone is more than enough. But but when you say that with your theory, if we it's not my theory. That's a, a, a you know proven you know, economic. It's not uh, proven. It's it's a theory. Here, well, here's the thing. Okay. That's the problem with theories. Like theory is of gravity it look, is it looks proven. amazing on paper, 
if we just took, you know, $10 and we gave it to 10 million people, that's $100 million, you know, you know what that would do? It wouldn't do jack shit because in theory, $10, I mean, you can't even get a gallon of gas today. And you talk about how that would slow down inflation. We pumped in trillions of dollars into the economy. What happened to the inflation? Well, the problem there is the inflation is caused by corporate profits. What we see right now is not an inflation driven by money in people's pockets. Mm -hmm. It's inflation driven by corporate greed, knowing that people have to buy services. One of the things that corporate America figured out during the pandemic is they can keep charging prices higher and higher and people will still pay them. We were worried. Everyone was worried at the beginning of the pandemic when we were stockpiling toilet paper that, oh, my gosh, all these companies are going to go under because they can't charge the prices that we want and they're all going to, you know, fall under the wayside. But what we actually saw was small businesses go under and big corporations make billions of profits because the average person didn't want to spend, you know, the extra one or two dollars for a meal at their local uh, uh, restaurant with the nice, you know, folks with the takeout, you know, the, all the businesses changed model, right? It wasn't sit down, it was more takeout. They didn't want to spend the extra two or three dollars at their local spot and, and support local businesses. They just wanted the cheapest price available that was that's at Walmart. That's not true. That's not true. That, you, know, you know what it was? That's what bore out. That you know what it was? Because you guys shut down the mom-and-pop shops. You kept Walmart open. Did you shut down Walmart? Nothing was shut. We didn't shut anything down. Everything was open. In Burbank? In Burbank? Yeah, it was only closed for a couple of weeks. What Everything. Was, what was open in Burbank? I mean, we we left a lot of the the stuff that was shut down was during the height Costco, of the pandemic. Walmart, Best Amazon, Buy, yeah, Best Buy. These guys, Target, were open. they were all open. Josh wow. Josh Mo was not open. You still had to get like what? toiletries. I mean, that's one of the reasons why people bought toilet papers because that so was the only thing open. So your excuse is that they had they sell necessities, but you just said people don't want to go to Joe's Shack to pay, you know, $2 more to have their meal. Mm-hmm. But what you're not saying is that you did not allow for Joe Shack to remain open. You allowed Costco to remain open. You allowed Only Walmart at the very beginning open. of the pandemic. When we changed uh, 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 protocols and moved all of our small businesses to uh, takeout instead of dine-in, we still saw a huge number of people shopping locally. But the numbers was dwindling from what it was pre-pandemic. What I'm saying is the shops that the, the, the big corporate stores that remained open, what they saw during that time was they could still charge their prices and people would still flock to them. But if a small mom and pop wanted to still charge their prices, which is always a little bit higher, right? Local business always charges just a little bit more because they don't have the corporations backing them up and they can't undercut people. During a pandemic, people will cut their losses and find the lowest common uh, denominator. They'll find the cheapest product. And that invariably always leads them to places like Costco and to Walmart. No, no, no. Because you, again, you guys, this local city wouldn't allow me to go sit down at, let's say, over and under, which is on San Fernando, right? Well, you couldn't go in, but once we opened up the parklets and and, and the outdoor seating. But can I go into Costco? You could go into Costco. Why? There's more people at Costco than over and under. There's I more know. people there than, for example, another one that you guys literally shut down, Tinhorn Flats. Well, they did right? their own nonsense. That was different. And mind you, when you walk into a Costco, 
How much of the shit are you touching, looking at it, putting it back? Touching, looking at it, well, putting it back. It's safe because whereas, uh, sure, whereas sure. when you want to go sit down and eat something, you right. could sit down, have your meal, take your basket, throw it in the trash, walk out. You're not touching anything else. You're not seeing anybody else. I understand, but at the end of the day, it was it was the it was the masking and the breathing, right? So when you're eating and you take your mask off, now protocols have changed. We're outdoors now. A lot of eateries are doing well. So what we saw was a change in the, the behavior of the consumer. Nobody was willing to go to a restaurant during the pandemic. Nobody was willing to go inside of a restaurant. Not necessarily. Yes, yes, were. Well, Why were they willing to go to Costco? Bro, there were a lot of people. Costco, a, lot a, lot of, a lot of people. Hold on. A lot of people were actually going crazy staying at home. They oh, wanted to get out. I know that. And the people that wanted to get out and, you know what, go and have a, a meal with their family, sit with their loved ones, the people that they're living with. Sure. They sure. couldn't do it. Why? Yeah. Because they were shut down. Right. And I understand that. And what we saw happen during the pandemic was once those things were opened, people were coming back, but not in the same droves that they used to be. And that's because everyone was pinching their belts. They were tightening their belts because of the economics of the pandemic. Because so many businesses were shut down, people just weren't making the amount of money that they had beforehand. It was a lack of um, uh, Why were businesses spending shut money down, and extra money? Why were businesses shut down? Because well, you just said they were only shut down for a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks is not enough time to influence the market the way it did. How no, many they, they weren't influenced during that time. During the shutdown, everybody, everybody was just bearing down for a crisis. The market was affected in the following year, right before the vaccines came out. What we saw as the um, you know the original summer of opening up and then we omicron and we got shut down again like when we saw those fluctuations we saw that in local businesses we saw it in local shops however the big corporations they saw a steady stream of business because they still had the lowest prices in town the same old you know uh, walmart is the key to this they they've always done it they they look at what the prices are and they sell everything for a dollar less right that's that's their whole thing they undercut the price and they pay their you know employees uh, starvation wages with no benefits this is how they operate once they realize that they're always going to have a consumer base because this is the first time we've had a pandemic in 100 years they realize they're never going to lose uh, uh people buying those staples those those uh, necessary items right the toilet paper the toothpaste those basic necessities so now the corporations have realized, oh, well, we can actually raise our prices. We don't have to undercut anyone. We can just raise with the rest of the market. And not only is it the local grocery stores, but it's all of the big businesses in, in this country that operate at, at a large scale. They are raising their prices because they know people will pay it regardless of a pandemic, regardless of how much money they have in their pocket. And so, you know, the... I'll point to uh, oil uh, as, a, as a key component of this. People drive their cars regardless. They will pay whatever they can pay at the pump. They'll find any way to do it, and they'll keep on driving. And the oil companies know this, and so they just keep raising oil prices. When, when did oil prices start skyrocketing? Oil prices started to skyrocket when the war happened, right, with Russia and Ukraine. Price of, of barrel went high. And the oil that, companies follow suit. Well, well, but, well, before but then, you say before you say that, wait, but how, much, how much how much oil does America buy from Russia? What percentage? Americans? Yeah, we don't buy a lot from Russia. No, so it's the global why, market. So then, why would why would the why would the price of gasoline or oil go up in America if we if only a little portion of it is being buy, bought from Russia? Because they know they can charge more. That's the whole thing. Who's they? 
The companies who own the oil. So the American companies can charge more. Yeah, and they do. And so the price of barrel of oil across the world went up. The, the, the American companies thought, well, we don't really get oil from other countries, but that's the price, so we're going to raise the price. And what, what happened was mm -hmm. we kept paying it. Nobody cut down on their driving. And so when the barrel of oil came down, when the other companies started increasing, other countries started increasing production in response to uh, uh, the, the war in Ukraine, the price of the barrel of oil worldwide started to drop again. But we haven't seen a drop in our prices because these companies know they can still charge the most that they've ever charged because we're still buying it. Nobody's taking the bus. Nobody's buying electric cars. I'm just going to keep driving, and eventually some point the oil is going to come down. And So uh, you, you, you don't think it has anything to do with the current administration trying to push electric, electric vehicles on people? How come we didn't have this issue between 2016 and 20, 2020? We didn't have the pandemic. The pandemic, this is what I'm saying. Well, you just said the war. Yeah, the war. No, the war, war was last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was no, post-pandemic. No, no. What the companies learned during the pandemic, and they're applying it to everything. Anytime there's a war, anytime there's a shortage on stuff, the baby formula is going to be mean, the is, next it, is this an assumption or is this a fact, though? I mean, no, no, you just look at so it. So it has nothing to do with, you know, Biden shutting down pipelines or uh, California not wanting to con continue to produce their own. Which no, we we've have. been trying to do that for years. That's been decades. That's been since Gavin Newsom got in office. The oil hasn't skyrocketed. What we saw is... Well, the taxes have, not the oil. The taxes have, yeah. <laughs> which, I mean, when you talk about taxes, you talked about, you know, basically cutting all taxes. Nobody pays taxes, right? Well, I'm not advocating that. I'm saying you can do that. You can do it. So, I mean, what what pays for, for example, in the city of Burbank, in the city of Glendale, all these local cities, what pays for the police? What pays for the fire oh, no, no, department? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. When I mentioned that, that's federal taxes. So not so property taxes, not, right? Not state or local taxes. That has to happen or else the government falls apart at the local okay. level. Okay, so I just wanted to yeah, clarify yeah, yeah. that because when you were saying no taxes, I was like, well, well you know yeah. how much they collected federally last year? I have no idea. It was highest ever, $2.6 trillion. Well, there was a lot of people that you know paid a lot of taxes last year. Yeah, and a portion of it went to Ukraine so they can, you know. Yeah, uh, which is, it's heartbreaking to me because, like, why didn't we send that same aid package to Artsakh, you know, what just a couple of years ago it was it's such an odd thing that we're supporting the ukraine in this well, war because well, it's like why didn't we send that 40 billion dollars to people who have who are two hundred thousand dollars in debt for chemotherapy healthcare bills why are we sent you do you, you want to answer I, that question for that's you? that's the same yeah I this agree is something we, we could kind of all all agree yeah. on where it's like that 40 billion dollars instead of well, at there it was up to 56 or something mm -hmm. call it, mm -hmm. let's be nice and call it 40 billion yeah. but so that's, that's something split, where we split could, how many ways pelosi schumer schumer biden hunter obama <laughs> Hunter. <Hunting, laughs> who are you giving this money to <laughs> but but no in all seriousness could you imagine like again like there's a lot of people that are Republicans. There's a lot of people that are Democrats. There's a lot of people that are Trumpsters, as they call them. But at the end of the day, the one thing that I really appreciated that Trump would say was like, America first, America first, America first. Well, and that $40 billion, now, that $40 billion, thing, dollars here's the problem with could America have come first. back to us. I, I understand that. My problem is, it's not that we shouldn't have sent that money to the Ukraine. It's that there's a lot of other things we should spend on as well. Not in a way that it's first, but that it's more responsible. And if we're going to start sending $40 billion to every country, 
that gets invaded, then we're going to start spending that money across well, the world. How much foreign aid goes out from the United States? And There's it, actually a map that every single one of them, and it's, every country you click on it. Yeah, you know? and, and it's funny. When you, when you go back and you look at you know, a lot of these, for example, the Scandinavian countries, you look at them and they go, oh, you know, uh, free health care, free this, free that, all this stuff. Let me see these guys try to do it without foreign aid from America. They can't do it. Well, I promise well, you they well, can't do it. What do you think aid? Constantine's reaction would have been if Trump had sent $40 billion to Ukraine? How would you read? I'd, I'd feel the same way. You'd feel the same way. I, I, look. The guy I made a phone agree. call to Zelensky and he was impeached for it. You think if he sent 40 <laughs> They rip him a new asshole. Look, Come on. Look, be, I didn't agree. At, le- at least be like, be be real frank, because this is the wise. Yeah, you're, we're just you're, we're you're, having you're, conversation. No, no, you're sorry. not on the view. You don't have to be politically correct. Honestly, if Trump sent forty billion to Ukraine, what do you think would would happen? What do you think the media? Uh, well, what do you okay, think? That's a different question. Though. Or, or even I know your what, perspective. <laughs> your perspective would not look, be. Well, I I think that you know it's a, it's a. It's a good gesture. Look, I'll tell you this. You wouldn't say I'll that. I'll tell you this. Oh, the media. I don't yeah. think. Can you imagine? Are you kidding? Oh, my God. The guy was impeached for, hey, Zelensky, um, listen, bud, do me a favor, yeah? Was it two cups of sugar or was it three? <laughs> Impeach him, but $40 billion? No worries. Uh, they're at war. They need the money. We have you know, kids being shot at schools, but you know, Ukraine needs $40 billion. And look, I'm not. I'm not saying that I agreed with the forty billion. That's not what I'm saying. Good, good, good. I didn't. I'm. I wasn't out there going. Oh yeah, great. We're sending that money. Sorry, we had a super chat. Thank you, Lucas, for the uh, five dollar. He says, "I love you guys. We love you too." That's uh, Lucas from Tinhorn. Yeah, you're good. Oh, friend. Lucas Lepeggian. All you're, right, your BFF. <laughs> um, my, my concern is this. My concern <laughs> is this. I think the only reason that forty billion got sent is because the person who invaded was Putin, and there's some weird American uh, uh, ideology that we're still in, in a cold war with Russia. No. And I don't know where it comes from. That, that's the thing. If, no, it, if it was anybody else, no, I'm saying, if it was anybody else who'd invaded... If, if, if they invaded Ukraine? No, I'm saying... Any, it has, no, it, well, I don't think it has anything to do with Putin. I think it's more of a NATO control of that territory. That's what it is. Well, but again, the NATO fight, that whole issue, is a proxy war. With Russia, well, we don't care about NATO. If Na- if Russia didn't care about NATO, we're not. We don't have NATO well, to hold. Well, you can't a, say Russia shouldn't care about NATO because imagine, I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm saying because it's, it's in their backyard. That's what it well, is. If Russia wanted to come put their troops around Canada and Mexico, would we be cool with that? Or China? Let's say let's have Chinese military here, just for shits and giggles, you know. On the other side of the border, you don't have to be on my yeah, side. Yeah, be on yeah. the other side. Hey, Mexico, cool. it's okay for you. <laughs> Snuggle for me. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I think that's why there's this whole push to defend the Ukraine. I mean, they're, they're defending themselves pretty well. I'm not, you know, they need help, sure. But at the end of the day, I think there's this big push in this country to see Russia as some big bad adversary that we need to be in a constant locked horns war with from the beginning of time, yeah. right? And, 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 you know, I, I say this to people all the time. I'm like, if we went to war with Russia, do you think the Russian people would want that? Or is it just our political football versus their political football? Like, it's such a, a, a nonsense argument. And the reason I know it's nonsense is because when 
Azerbaijan had their aggression against Artsakh, Ukraine supported Azerbaijan. Right. And we did nothing to inter- intervene or, or stop it. And Why? then suddenly. Because Armenia doesn't have resources. Ukraine has top is in the top 10 of all categories in natural resources. All. Okay. But top why, 10. why should that? A, A. Why? Because the world cares about right, right. this. I know, I know that. But I'm saying us as a people, we shouldn't care about that. I know that's oh, why. Well, I don't care about that. But our government does. I, I agree with you. And I okay. think that's the problem. The old senile guy sitting at the office cares about that. But that's A. That's, no, that's one reason. The second reason, which I know you're completely going to disagree with me, but 10, 15 years from now, uh, the proof will come out that this, the, the primary reason for them protecting Ukraine is because Ukraine is the center hub of global money laundering and every other bullshit that goes around in politics. That's what Ukraine is. It's, it's like a global whorehouse. Mm. That's what it is. Sounds like a conspiracy theory. I know. Give it time. Yeah, I won't comment. It, I yeah, won't yeah, comment. Give it time. But you'll see. You'll see when you know the Mueller report comes out and <laughs> all these reports come out <laughs> in ten years. How you'll see all of this to be a reality. Um, but and we've got so many comments and <laughs> <laughs> questions, and we've got somebody who actually wants to call in. Oh, um, who wants to? Uh, let me see. Uh, no, before they call in. What about before they call? Uh, who who is it that wants to call? Joe. Him? Joe wants, Joe to, wants call to call. Him. Him. Okay. Well, well he, he's calling in. <laughs> he's calling. Okay. Calling in now. <laughs> Joe. What's up, Joe? Joe, hold on. Joe, Joe on the Joe, radio. Joe, can you hear us? Hey, how are you guys? Hey, how you doing, buddy? Everything good. Everything good. Good. Hey, uh, glad to see you. Oh, sorry. We got the uh, echo come back. Turn it turn, turn off. Turn 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 down the turn down the iPad yeah, or the yeah, TV know, or whatever you got. And the, and the, and the timing's off. So okay, yeah, you, we're, we're, right. we have a 13 second delay just in case we say. You never called yeah. Tom like this dro- before. Yeah, before we dropped the f bomb, <laughs> so we could censor it. We got it. Uh, so uh, sorry, man. I've been hearing, listening to the show. I just couldn't help myself. I had to call and give a little bit of. Uh, my two cents. Uh, Which Joe is this? So, Joe Marashman, Joseph. We were actually, uh, I was actually uh, speaking with Constantine today over. Uh, oh, on uh, Instagram. The post, yeah. Oh, you were the messenger uh, on the, yeah, on the Instagram good. post. How's it going? Right. Good, good. How about yourself? Good, good. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Okay, so um, here's, here's my question. So, I just want to clarify because number one is I, I find it very important for. Um, not just myself, but for everybody, all, all the people that are actually, the, the citizens that are actually electing officials to government to know exactly who they're electing. So if my questions come off to be a little bit off besides local government, if it goes into like, you know, federal or whatnot, understand that I know that you don't have any control over that. But Well, we've already gone idea- into a lot of federal <laughs> I understand, stuff already. I understand. <laughs> but, 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 but your ideology is where is important to, what, what's important to me. And I, I believe that your ideology is also would be very important to all the people that are, you know, placing their vote mm-hmm. and they're trusting you as a public servant mm-hmm. uh, to represent them. I actually agree with so, you on that. Yes. OK. So now I want to I want to understand, are you a socialist? So I am a democratic socialist. Uh, when I, what is a democratic socialist? 
Well, just to, to start off with, um, in 2020, when I ran, I was endorsed by uh, the Democratic Socialists of America National and Democratic Socialists of America Los Angeles. I was also endorsed by uh, Socialist Alternative, um, an, uh, another socialist organization that works in uh, politics around the country. Um, and I put that on my website. I put it on all of my literature and mailers. Yeah, no, no, no the, the, you're not, you're not hiding it. I'm just making oh, yeah. sure. I'm just <laughs> yeah. making sure that we, we're we, all we, we, you, Yeah, we you saw on your IG. It, it yeah. says <laughs> Democratic Socialists. <laughs> it, it said this because uh, okay. uh, <laughs> we, Joe. To be honest with you, we were actually going to get to that question. I'm glad you brought it up as well because mm-hmm. uh, Armand, myself, Joe, and a lot of the Armenian community mm-hmm. have lived in a socialistic country, mm-hmm. a communistic country, where it's it's not very fun. I don't know if you've ever lived in those kind of living standards. I've but heard. I've heard. Yeah, it's it's a very difficult it's a it's a very difficult lifestyle. That's it's funny. Life. Usually, yeah. the, so sorry to cut you off, or, 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 but usually people that have opinions about socialism and whatnot, ninety percent of them have not lived in it. Yeah. So uh, kind of we want one. to understand what exactly because we know what socialism is. And we want to know what, what your definition sure. of democratic socialism so is. So it's different than an authoritarian socialist uh, um, uh, country uh, like you would find with communism. What's different about it? So the difference is um, where the power of government lies. In most communist countries that we've seen, uh, you know, uh, um, Soviet Socialist Republic and a lot of other uh, Soviet bloc era countries um, – we see uh, uh, the socialism comes from the top down, right? That's the way uh, China runs their government. It's basically a state-run economy, and all the power is concentrated at the top. And what you know, what the guy at the top says, what Xi Jinping says. No, I understand. Well. How, uh, so, sorry, I know. I know we're trying to. It, yeah. I don't want to cut you off, and I and I'm short on time. That's why I don't mean to cut you off. I, I would rather sit down. You know, one day well, well, we can have coffee I'll, or whatever. We can discuss joke. it. But let me, let, me, let me do this. Let me, sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me, just, let me just get to my point real quick. Okay. Um, I know what socialism is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so essentially you believe in more government. No, 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 no. So What do you he, mean? No, no. So in those instances, the power comes from the top. Democratic socialism more- is the opposite. So flip it. So all of the power in government comes from the people, from local organizations, from... Who enforces the, it? Who The, the people, the, the same people. How do the people enforce it? The, Who's in charge of having the people enforce it? The people, the us. How do you... Uh, okay, all right, all right. Let's it's take, called a, real, let's take or, a real easy. All right. It, it's, it's going... It's, it's, that's called an organizational structure. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it, right? So, so you have to have that. Now, who's in charge of that? It has to be a private entity or, or, or a corporation... Or perhaps the government, no, right? No, it's the people. No, no, no. Look, here, here's, so how who who? here's how it works. Uh, uh, think about when you're um, at the office, right? And you work a long job and you have a boss and the boss decides who gets fired and who gets a raise and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Now, imagine if it was the other way around. Imagine if the boss got voted on by the people who were working there. And the raise gets voted on by the people who are working there. Imagine if the power structure was different. Who started, the, who started the company? Who started the company? We have that already. Yeah. What do you mean Hold you have on. that we already? Have, we, have, we have that already. We have, we have democracy already. You work, in a co-op? you work at a co-op? I'm sorry? Do you work at a co-op? 
No, I don't work for anybody. I'm a self, uh, I, I have my own company with my own employees that I pay very well. Okay, but, and you, but, right, but you tell them how much they get paid, and you tell them what the job is, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. And if so they don't you, want so it, they have every have opportunity to walk out. Right, so you don't have that. What I'm proposing is that we create an economic structure in this country where the workers, they're the ones who get the loan, they're the ones who start the company, and they elect a boss amongst themselves – that's, that sounds like a very nice utopian situation. Obviously, yeah, it sounds great. It is. Nice. It, is it does. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It sounds amazing. But the, but the sad truth is, just like gun control, it's not reality. You know what I mean? If someone's going to do something, you know, they're going to do it. So, yeah, uh, but if, or, you, or if the, they don't have uh, the guns to do it, how are they going to do it? <laughs> well, you can make guns. It's called, it's called CNC machines. Do you have an example of, of, of an organization no, yeah, on, right, that was started sorry. that way? Let's finish up with Joe, because you, Joe, you said you're short on time as well, so we could yeah, continue no, well, this no, conversation. No, no, no. Sure, I, I want to get to a few points. That's why I don't want to take too much of your time as well. So, <clears throat> okay, we established that you it's socialism. Can you name I – know, I know it's not the democratic socialism that you guys are – talking about i mean you ran you you ran in the united states your your representative within the united states right yes is, is the united states a socialist country no the united states is a capitalist country as long as this it's a capitalist so you want to change the united states is what it is yes you want to change the united everyone states everyone wants to change the united states in some way or another. no no no. i mean i mean i mean you don't want it to be the united states anymore you don't you don't you you that oath that you took uh, to, uh, in regards to the Constitution, you don't want to uphold that. There is no word. The word stock market doesn't exist in the United States Constitution. So that's business. That's completely different. I'm talking it about is the business. The that's what I'm talking about. No, he's talking. He's talking about the oath you took, right. basically, to serve. Joe, do you know that socialism is an economic factor, not a form of government? Yes, yes, I so understand. We don't have to change our form but, of government. But it, but it just so happens that socialists always also are against guns. Are you, are you for guns? <laughs> you have never heard of the Socialist Rifle Association, have you? <laughs> I, I, it must be very small, definitely compared to the NRA. But uh, let's talk, you know, <laughs> that's kind of scary if you ask me. Socialist Rifle Association. Well, <laughs> Those are the guys scary, scary with the guns, you know what I mean? <laughs> Look, there's that's a lot of... Last, last we checked, uh, last we checked, every time they took guns away from people, there was a genocide. It's funny how that works. Anyway, so let's get back down to it. So you w- want to abolish the Second Amendment as well? Uh, any amendment can be amended. No, me, but you want to remove it? Me personally, altogether. me personally, yes. Of course, that's yes? uh, that's a big ask. Yes. Mm. And can I ask how that's going to prevent anything from happening? It won't. Well, hold on. Before you say how it's going to prevent from anything happening, why do you want to get rid of the Second Amendment? Well, uh, in 2008, the Second Amendment was reinterpreted to mean something completely different than what it was originally intended for. And so at this point, either if it doesn't In the liberal eyes, I'm sorry. Let's correct that. No, it wasn't. There was an argument for it. It's always been uh, uh, changed. It's black and white. It's it's there. It's by the people. It's literally – it's regarding us. Right, but in 2008, in 2008, they disregarded the – the, um, Who uh, disregarded it? In 2008, was it Obama? The Supreme Court, what the conservative the Supreme, Supreme Court. What did they do? What did they do? I'm sorry. They took out. What did the, they do? They said the uh, original, the the beginning clause was independent of the second clause. So until 2008, the Second Amendment, where it said right to bear arms, was always in reference to a state militia. In 2008, no, it wasn't. Yes, 
in 2008? No, it wasn't. It yes, was it never. It was, it was. You always. can read it clearly. It was yeah. never. And no, Why that's a it? typical liberal argument. That's <laughs> never been the case. It's <laughs> not that's a liberal ne- argument. That's never been the case. That's never been the case. All right. In 2008, Let's the Supreme not. Court had made a ruling to change that. If they didn't have to make that ruling, then it would have always been true. But that's not the case because they made a ruling. You don't make rulings to reaffirm something that already happened. You just reaffirm it. But they actually wrote an opinion and changed the interpretation of the Second Amendment. It was D.C. versus Heller, 2008. And they ruled that the first half of the Second Amendment was an independent clause and did not uh, have any bearing whatsoever on the second part. So, you know. So why do you want to disarm people so bad? I'm sorry? Why do you want to disarm people so bad? I didn't say I want to disarm people. What are you talking about? You're against the Second Amendment. So, I mean, you want to remove guns. Wouldn't that be disarming people? No. That's not true at all. So, Removing so, so an amendment your... doesn't take guns out of people's hands at all. So, he, so you want to amend it the... back to whatever it was? Just back to what it was. So, what does it, so does you're does for... It, hold, it, hold on, Joe. Hold on, Joe. Joe, wait one second. So you're for people bearing arms. Yeah, I'm for, I'm, I'm, I want to go back to pre-2008 America where we didn't have school shootings every two or three days and we didn't have massive amounts of, of uh, gun violence like we do today, I mean, forty thousand people a year die from gun violence. And so, you're blaming and you're blaming it on guns. Well, when we had a uh, assault weapons ban from 1994 to 2004, we had a huge drop in gun crimes and mass shootings. So assault weapons ban was for machine guns, and uh, it was for machine guns, and and that was because it was uh, ruled unsafe because you couldn't control it when you were firing. It was used for cover fire during. Uh, so you're you saying know, that there are operation. some guns that are unsafe. You agree with me? That there are some guns that the machine, are... Machine guns, machine guns have been banned. That's nothing new. Do that was banned by Reagan, I, a Republican. Do you know that the average AR-15 today, if you are good enough, you can pull that trigger almost as quick as the old M16 from the 1980s? Yeah, no, that's not true. Yes, that, number, one, number one. Number one. Number one, you could do that. Hold on. You could do that with any standard pistol. Let's put it that way. Have yeah. you seen the world's fastest shooter? Of okay, course. Okay, so... Okay, so let's 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 that that's that's nonsense. Let's let's turn. Let's, oh, do you even know what AR stands fact. for? Okay, so do you know what AR stands for? Well, I don't want to get into what an armalite no, rifle. No, do you know what AR stands for? I don't care if it's armalite no, rifle no, 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 or assault no, weapon. Look, the armalite no, rifle listen, is it, not. It does matter. Let me explain why it matters. It I'm not trying to matter, cut you man. off, but Come let me on. explain why it does matter. Because when you're passing laws, you, yeah. I think you should know something about the subject that you're passing laws for. Look, every company every major gun manufacturer in the world produces an ar-15 type so it's not an armalite rifle anymore it's every mm-hmm. kind of rifle and they're all the same kind of firepower and they're just deadly and scary and you'll find that you know a lot of people conservatives moderates liberals are all on board with doing something to change this. In fact, there was a bipartisan agreement yes, I think announced yes, yesterday. Yes, we are. Well, we are. I am for. I am for a change. But the funny thing is, is you guys keep putting a bandaid on it. Why don't you talk about the medical health? Why don't you talk about the psychotropic drugs? But wait, that are being but wait. Before, before, before you get into mental health or anything, do you know that ninety-four percent of mass shootings take place in places that are gun-free zones, meaning? Schools, yeah, they're churches, soft targets. Stores, that's where that's where majority of yeah, yeah, nobody's going to uh, go but, to a but, military but yet, installation. But yet, but yet, of course, yet, so, but, exactly. But yet, why won't they go to? Yet, a, oh, yep. Joe, wait one second. What? Why won't they go to a military? It's called a hard target. It's hard to. So let's say for, let's say why for, won't they go to a bank? 
have you been to a bank? It's all boarded up, man. They got security exactly. guards and they've got no, professionals wait, wait. and, and, and I, I agree. bulletproof I glass. Agree. I agree. I agree. So why not? Instead of putting an armed security guard at a bank, which handles our money, instead of that, why don't they, you put an armed security guard where our true uh, possessions, valuable possessions, lie with, which is with our children at the school? We, we do that all the time. The Parkland, no. <laughs> the Parkland guys had armed security, and he ran away. The, the Uvalde shooting had a bunch it of cops, be, and they ran away. It, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It had to be this last shooting that happened. It had to be a good guy with a gun, right? His wife called him while he was getting a haircut. He grabbed his shotgun. and he went into care of business, right? Right. That took an hour, dude. Okay. What? It took an hour. Yeah, it took an hour because cops weren't doing anything, right? The cops had the guns. They were out guns. Yeah, they had, and they didn't do anything, right? What do you mean? What are you talking but, about, man? You can't have it both ways. You're saying God, uh, uh, cops should protect us. We shouldn't protect ourselves because if you're against the Second Amendment, we can't protect ourselves I with guns. No, that's not what I said at all. You have to be able to protect yourself. Anyone who feels that they need a weapon, that they so absolutely what? need a weapon, should be able to get one. But it needs so to be. So what's the point of a, abolishing the Second Amendment? The point is that you can actually put stuff in place to make sure people get the guns who need them. So there so has to be requirements who, and, who, and, who, and who, tests. The people that follow and, God, the rules, right? The people that follow the laws, right? That's what laws are for, man. Okay, let me, exactly. so let me ask you but a question. But the criminals don't follow the laws, hold, right? Last hold, I checked, the mass shooting is illegal. Hold on, anyway, Joe. I'm not going to uh, – it was a pleasure talking to you guys. Sorry. Thank, for, thank uh, you for the no call. Disrespect. Thanks for the call, Joe. No, no disrespect, Constantine. I, I mean, we don't – It's just see, an argument, Joe. Things. I don't take disrespect. Well, well maybe right. you guys can go grab coffee and, and, and talk one day. <laughs> and get out I'm there good, man. Research. Thank you. Have a good one, please. Thank All you, right, buddy. Thanks, Joe. So I have a question about that because, you know, California has some of the strictest laws, and mm -hmm. we have nationwide over 24,000 different policies against guns. But my question is, for example, you. You are medically diagnosed as somebody who has autism, right? Yeah, Which yeah, is yeah, considered yeah. a mental or nervous system. What it's it's a, you know, a neurological, neurological disability. Yeah. Okay, so neurological disability. Can you legally purchase a gun? If I can show that I am competent, absolutely, yes. And how would you show that? By showing up and uh, getting and the answering, license answering, and doing all the... Are you competent, yes? or I'm, I'm curious. Well, there's a background check, so... The background check is in... Yeah, so in uh, or, in or, do you, I'm assuming you don't, know, you don't own a gun. I don't own a gun, okay. no. I've so, fired and I know how okay, to shoot So one. in order to... Okay, so if you, if you have a... If you're, if you're a felon, you can't own a gun. Right. If you have a misdemeanor or... Uh, some sort of violent crime, you can't mm -hmm. can't own mm -hmm. a gun. Uh, domestic violence, right. you can't own a gun. And if you're mentally unstable, you can't own a gun. Right. Or if you're mentally diagnosed with something, you well, can't well, own a gun. Well, well, no, mentally unstable, unless you mark mentally unstable, they don't know if you're mentally well, unstable. Right, and it has to actually be on your record. Like, just being nuts <laughs> is well, not... somebody uh, who's mentally unstable has is going to have some sort of... Not necessarily. Why it, not? It'll show up. In the background check, where in in the background check is going to show uh, uh, your um, um, your record. record, not medical records, but any uh, crime or determination through a court or legal hearing. Okay. It's, it's basically legally yeah. unfit mentally, meaning uh -huh. legally, as in like on paper okay. you're the, mentally unfit. These guys that did you know the Uvalde and every other every other uh, Uvalde shooting, yeah. These guys had been to mental health professionals and all that 
Yeah, right, but not right. to a court. So it's, okay. it's about you legal see, proceedings. Right. So you could go to a psychiatrist for 20 years, mm-hmm. beyond 18 different psychobenzos and all right. that. None of that is going to show up. That's the point I'm trying to make. Right. Unless you've been to court and somehow the court, your, your hearing, your trial, whatever it is, your conviction was related to that mental illness. Otherwise, right. you're getting a speeding ticket doesn't mean, oh, yeah, well, this guy is also mentally, you know, yeah. not fit. But no, 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 of course. Yeah, so, sure. So that goes to show you that unless you've been to court for something mental, mm-hmm. your hospital, your healthcare background has absolutely nothing to do with you, it. You know what's weird, though? I don't agree with that at all. I don't think people should be denied their basic uh, amendments and rights and constitutional necessities simply because they're mentally unfit. Ah. I actually disagree with not giving firearms to people who are mentally unfit because I believe someone who is not all there and not um, um, uh, in the right frame of mind is more likely to be preyed upon with violence and Mm. abusers than the average person who's able to walk away. And if you look at all of these killers, mass shooters, Mm -hmm. They were all bullied, mentally abused, physically abused, all, all of them. It's it's almost a cookie-cutter mm-hmm. system. I mean, the, the last shooter basically, again, didn't have a father figure, was gender dysphoric, yeah. was apparently bullied in school as well. But when you go and talk to his previous peers, they said it wasn't as bad as everybody thought it was. <laughs> Here's what I recommend. All of you that, guys go it, watch. Bad. Go watch. It's a TED Talk video. It's called I Almost Became a Mass Shooter. It's this heavy set guy. Mm-hmm. It's got about 14 million views. I Almost Became a Mass Shooter. Watch this guy. And once you watch his video, you truly understand who these shooters are. And and then you're like, okay, this, this has absolutely nothing to do with I, I I've never heard of a story where a gun shot itself. Well, no, but here's the thing. The, ma- the vast majority of shootings are not actually mass shootings. Mass shootings are a very small percentage of gun violence. Okay, so but what are they? It's indicative of the larger argument in general. If somebody who is uh, depressed or angry or violent can get their hands on this kind of weapon, then all the other people who are just regular violent, not necessarily uh, mentally unstable, but just a violent kind of person, they have access to these firearms as well. And we see a lot of... Handgun violence, a lot of domestic violence with these firearms in places where the person who did it has no previous history of mental illness or anything exactly. like that. They just had a bad day, and right. they're taking it out on somebody. So, so that's why gun laws don't mean jack. But they do, but they do, because yeah. those people, they are law-abiding citizens until they pull that trigger. And so to Joe's argument, he says, you know, he was mentioning how only, only uh, 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 good people follow the law. The people who are doing the mass majority of gun violence in this country, it's not a bunch of gangs shooting everybody. It's not 30,000 dead people because of gangs and then of a course. small portion. Have you been to Southside Chicago? <laughs> Chicago's interesting. Chicago's interesting. Okay, but, and that's an, that's an abnormality. And I'll get to but, that in just an a minute. anomaly. But do, hold, yeah, but do you, know, do you know that where the United States ranks as far as mass shootings in the world? What do you mean? The as, United States? Yeah. Well, in developed countries, we're number one. But in crime-ridden countries where they're, you know... No We're not even top order, 10. No, of course not. But we can't compare ourselves to them because we have actually, you know, a very westernized, modern uh, 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 society where people go to work every day and we're not at war all the time. But to, to the other point of what Joe was saying, if we put in place 
laws that people will follow, then the folks who have just that one bad day and just pull the trigger that one time, well, they'll never get to that point because they followed the laws that we're doing, the gun control laws that work in every other developed nation, right? Anywhere in Europe, Australia, Canada, those kind of places. Australia has no guns. Australia had a buyback. Australia has a lot of guns. They have about 32% of their population owns a firearm. Didn't Australia do a buyback? Well, they, they bought back everybody's guns. They bought back, buyback too. They did the, the assault weapons buyback. But people in Australia still have rifles. Well, see, still that have that assault weapon <laughs> thing, I never understood that. Bro, anything, I, I don't know why people put assault weapon, assault gun, assault rifle. Bro, a knife can be, if I assault you with a knife, is it called an assault knife? Hey. If I assault you with this soundboard, is it called an assault soundboard? Well, it depends. Can it's you a, kill 22 people in 10 minutes with this soundboard? Bro, it's at the end of, you know, let, me, let me put it to you this way. Do you know more people are depends stabbed to death it. than shot to death in the United sure, States? Sure, sure. So but, what, do we ban knives all of a sudden? Well, that's the thing. We have to talk about that. Because it's an in, in, indicative we've of... Another, we've got another caller. Oh, do we have another caller? Are we Le- taking another caller now? Levick's on the line, yeah. Okay. Hey, guys. How's it going? What's up, Levick? What's going on, guys? How you doing? So I have a simple question. So I have a simple question for your guest. Go ahead. Okay. How many people are killed in the United States per year? Two FBI statistics. Just, just deaths? You mean actual murders? Violence. Oh, for gun violence. Oh, for gun violence. Gun violence. 40,000. It's like 40,000 people a year. 40,000. How many? It's not, it's, it's 36,000, but let's say 40,000. How many, how many are due to suicide? What does that have to do with anything? It, it, a lot. So, answer uh, my question. Pull the trigger, you pull the trigger. It doesn't matter who you kill. <laughs> no, it, it, does, it, it doesn't matter who you kill. No, it doesn't. So, death uh, is a death, man. No, 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 no. Death is not a death. If you're taking your life, you're choosing to do that to yourself. Yeah, but so if you choose to do it to somebody that, else, that doesn't matter. 20, no, listen to me. 20,000 people commit suicide every year with a gun. How many people are killed in a so-called mass shooting with a rifle or, or a long one per year? I just told you, that's a very small percentage of people in mass shootings. It's not even a percentage. It's 343 people. Yeah, right? uh, what I'm saying is it's indicative of the larger problem. You can't okay. use mass shootings so any, as a so, statistic to Okay, to the show. mass shooting... The mass shooting uh, name that came up was just the number that was made a few years ago. They said three, and then they said four. If you want to do that, if you go to Chicago, if you go to Baltimore, they have 18, 19, 20, 30, I don't know, 60 killings a weekend. That's a mass shooting every weekend. Yeah. If you add that, if you add that, every day there's a mass shooting. Yeah. But those right. aren't mass shootings, those are gun, gun violence with gang members. Yeah, Chicago and Baltimore so, are pretty bad. Chicago, Baltimore, a bunch of other places. And I'm not going to say your name. Mm-hmm. And all of those have, have one thing in common. They're all ran by Democrats the last 150 <laughs> years. And that's a fact. 150 years, Chicago has been ran and ruled by Democrats. For 100 years, Baltimore has been the same way. Uh-huh. And all those places, excuse my language, are shithole. Why? Because well, let, let me ask rules, you this. Let me ask you this. Yeah, why is why is Indiana that is run by Republicans the highest number of gun violence per capita in the country? That's not a true fact. That is a true fact. It doesn't matter. That's and in fact, and in fact, forty percent of all the guns found in Chicago were bought in Indiana. You know, if you can buy a gun, an easy access gun to get in a red state and then drive an hour. Well, hold on, hold on. They were, hold on. They were, wait a minute, Levick, wait. They were, they were bought in a red state and brought to a blue state because the gun laws are so strict. Illegally. In the blue state. Illegally. Because it's... Illegally. So were those... Exactly, Levick took the words right out of my mouth. Were those guns brought in legally? 
Well, that's why you need federal law. That's why anything we do at the state level is a joke. So what, basically just ban guns? Ban no, guns? Or is it more re- guns, regular Just do the same I, gun control you have across the board. Because I, I, think, I think what we – here's the thing. Let's clarify one thing because uh, I don't want, obviously – I don't want the people who are calling in to get the wrong idea. You're not for banning guns. No, no. You can't ban guns. That never works. You he can't wants ban to go abortions. Back to you can't ban okay. drugs. No, 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 no Levick, no. stop. Stop. He, you know what he's saying? He wants to go back to pre-2008 yeah. Second Amendment – Writing. That's what he wants to do. Okay. Okay. I can read you what the Heller said. Okay. Give me 10 seconds and I'll read it to you. Ready? The Second Amendment guarantees an individual right to possess firearms independent of the service and a militia and to use firearms for nutritionally yeah. lawful purposes, including self defense within the home. Yeah. Meaning you have the right, you have the right without persecution, without, without, without a court kicking your ass, that you can defend yourself. I live in Nevada. If I bring my AR 15 or a simple 1968 SKS to California, I get arrested. Why do I not do that? Because I'm a law-abiding citizen. Mm-hmm. So my rifles, my handguns have never walked up on their own, got out of their seat, and done a mass shooting. Okay? Most of the people, they say, look, there's an easy way to fix this. The 18-year-old that had the gun should have never had that firearm. You know what the problem was? When he was 15 and 16, his juvenile record was not looked at. You want to fix this? I got a nice solution for you. Every time there's a mixed background check at 18 years old, go back. If you're buying a rifle under 21 years old. Levick? Levick. We lost you. We lost you, Levick. You're saying include, I think what he was saying is include the juvenile, juvenile record, record in yeah. the background include, Am I there still? Yeah. Okay, hold on. Go, go outside or something. Don't FaceTime us. We can't, we're not going to be able to see you. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Wrong button. Can you hear me now? I'm saying, if, if, I'm saying if, you're buying the, if you're buying the rifle under 21, your juvenile record should be looked at. If, you're 21. if you even want to go so far as to have a co-signer between the 18 and 21 to buy a rifle from a parent, and that could have even done. I think those but are great ideas. Say, I okay, agree with you, but, but here's the issue, though. Okay, but United States Senate Democrats say no because they want to disarm, take over this country. Listen okay, but hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Seven to eight years let me ask you this. Let me, let me ask you one question, genocide. though. Let me ask you Absolutely. one question. Do you know about you know about the gun show loophole? Do you know what that is? There is no gun show loophole. I've, I've bought firearms at a gun show. I had to run through a background thing. I live in Nevada. Okay, all those all those all those lines that the Democrats use are excuse my language bullshit. There's it's no not, gun show loophole. There isn't. Okay, there I is. bought a firearm. There isn't. I've bought a firearm at a gun show. There's he asked for my license. I believe I currently for, there's let's, about twelve let's see states what saying about the loophole. There's about twelve Go states ahead. right now that do have the gun show loophole. Okay. That is a real thing, and I don't think it is in Nevada. But there are places where you can simply walk into a gun show and you can buy a firearm right then and there. You're limited, I think, to one or two guns in the, the given states, but you can Which still state? get one. Which I don't, state? I don't have the list in front of me, but I know it's not Nevada. As in what? No licensing needed. No background check. No, nothing. You literally just walk in. You give them cash. You show them your ID. Not your. Not your. Not your. Not, you're not, you don't need a hunting license in a lot of these states. What about your firearm license? Wait, Levick, no. what about your fire? Levick, wait one second. What about your a, firearm license? I believe in a lot of states you don't, and I think there are some that do. But at the end of the day, you can get a firearm license, right? You can get a hunting license. They last for a year, maybe two years. You can have a felony in that time before it expires and still show up to a, a gun show 
and they don't have to do a NICS check for you right then and there. And that's a problem. And I'm not saying that that's a huge issue, but we have seen a handful of mass shootings in the last, you know, eight to ten years where that loophole has been created. It's not the mass, the vast majority of shootings. You know, we have to still talk about Baltimore and Chicago and these, you know. Do you the, think we can drive to... Not talk about can, can we drive to downtown L.A. after the show and pick up a couple of unregistered guns? <laughs> I'm serious. Do you think we can do that? Uh, Where the serial is, numbers kind of grind it off? <laughs> do you think we can if pick up... If you know how to do that, yes. yes. Here's the issue. Here's the issue. The people who are good at getting illegal firearms are also very good at hiding their illegal firearms. We do not have an illegal firearm shooting spree in this country. The small number of gang violence coming from the small handful of uh, 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 illegal firearms is a problem, yes. But the vast majority, the suicides, the partner violence, these are legally purchased firearms that don't become illegal until they're either used or they're driven to a place where they're legal and then used. So the vast, vast majority of weapons that are used for gun violence in this country were purchased legally by somebody who was acting legally. There is a but small number 10, that isn't, but, but that's another yeah, issue. But 8 to 10,000, 8 to 10,000 of the gun violences are done to the gang violence. Those gang members are not walking walking into Turner's or Walmart and saying, uh, let me buy one of those. Okay, They're going somewhere and picking it up illegally okay, well, or look, breaking here, into a home. So, so my, my only life. argument to this is if we do all of the gun control we possibly can and the only violence, the only gun violence that's left is gang crimes, then that means we've cut gun violence by 75%. That's what you're telling me. You've done all the, you guys have done all the gun control in Chicago. Not federally. I, I not, live federally in LA. not federally. Like I told federally, you. Forty percent of the guns in Chicago come from Indiana. Federally, it's called the Second Amendment. Do you know why the Second Amendment was written after the First Amendment? Do you know why it's on there? Actually, for hunting, it was because back then, if you didn't hunt, you didn't eat. So all that hunting, hunting crap that people say is all bogus. I know. Second Amendment is for people that one and a half million Armenians are not killed because in 1908 they took away the firearms. A lot of Armenians. No, no, no. What do you know? The Second Amendment. Second, no. The Second Amendment was written in 1792 because they were worried General Washington would federalize an army and he as president would take over each state one by one and put in whatever he wanted to put in. So they wrote the Second Amendment to guarantee that each state had their own separate militia and there would be no federal army ever. And it basically and, became and, defunct and, about but, but five years see, later you guys, when you they guys created the national... Now, you guys only focus on the first word militia. I have the second amendment written on my truck. Okay, it's not the first word militia. Read a little bit down. It says people and their arms shall not be infringed. That's the thing. Read the whole thing. Don't be MSNBC and read the one little content on the back. Have a clickbait. Either read the whole thing or don't read anything at all. Okay? You're not going to sit there. I'm not, I'm not from California. I can care less who's the mayor or whatever. But you're not going to sit here and say... And I'm the most blunt person in the community. You're not going to sit there and say this, 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 that because you're going to be called out on. Well, here's Simple the thing, though. I have read the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers. I have studied our forefathers and the writings of the Constitution. We can go back and forth on what you believe the 
the Second Amendment was written for. But at the end of the day, uh, 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 George, uh, sorry, um, um, Representative Mason from uh, New Hampshire argued that uh, we shouldn't write a Second Amendment without the clause of the militia because then it would be taken out of context and you'd create what are called uh, insurrectionist uprisings. And in fact, the um, Baker uh, Rebellion uh, was uh, uh, people who were looking to overthrow the brand new um, um, United States government because they felt that they weren't being represented. And they were using the uh, state militia clause to, you know, further their ideas. And that was thrown out in court uh, 200 years ago. And so that's why I keep going back to this 2008 ruling that changed the interpretation of the amendment to basically what you're arguing is the Second Amendment. And that has only existed in this country for 14 years. But now we suddenly think it's gospel and it's the way it was always written. But I, again, point out that the Heller ruling put it on paper because it hadn't been written before. That's the basics of how a Supreme Court ruling is created. They set precedent by writing it out. If it was already written out, they would refer back so, to it and say, this has okay, already so been why written. Is it, so, why is it, okay, so why is it earlier when Joe called? You actually said in your words that I would like all guns to be back. I didn't say that. You didn't say that at all. What are you talking about? No, no, he no, 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 no. He didn't say that. He didn't say he wants. Go back and go back and listen to what he said. Okay. Well, the good thing is, I mean, everything's recorded. I mean, we're not here taking sides or anything. But I don't, I don't. Did you remember him saying he wants to ban all guns? I think you said you're for the Second Amendment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pre-2008 Second Amendment. I want to repeal the current Second Amendment. He might have said that after, but his first statement was that, and it's always the first one that counts. Uh, it, it's, it's, you know what it is. Well, At the end of the day, you're always talking about history. Go back to history and see what all. I'm, I'm always going to go back to this, and, and the guys know. Go back to history. Every single genocide that has happened in every single country, seven to ten years prior, firearms were taken away, and then that made it so much. No, no, you're absolutely. Let me tell you. I agree. You're absolutely right. You're 100 percent right. It happened to the Armenians. Okay. It happened to the Greeks. It happened to the Assyrians. It happened yeah. to all those people. Uh, okay. But can we clarify again? You you did not say you want to ban guns. No, no, I do not want okay. to ban all guns or go door to door and take everyone's fire. No, there. Look, look. At the end of the day, but he wants to ban the AR-15, the most popular sporting. No, 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 no. no. L- listen, listen. There's a difference between I'm not, I'm not there's a difference between banning all guns or banning a specific type of gun, or you said a cre- creating a system where it's harder to get something. Look, okay, you, you know said, hold on, do you remember, do you, right, 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 hold on, you know that? hold on, real quick. I talked about, I talked about the federal firearms ban from 2000, from uh, 1995. Didn't do anything, you right, know that, right? Right, but here's the thing, here's the thing, you could still get a machine gun during that time. You just no, had you to, can. yeah, you, you can't could. buy a machine yeah. gun since 1936 and it was remanded in 1986. No, you, you can't. cannot buy a machine gun. Yeah, you can. No, you can't. Yes, you can. I know people who are collectors and they have to go through a rig, go ahead, what? true assault rifle you can buy is from a private party that'll cost you maybe a hundred two hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. you have to have an nfa you have to have nfa clearance from the fbi uh-huh. good luck with that so and i so agree, you agree, and I agree so you agree that you can get a machine gun i rather have i'd rather have a shotgun than a true belt-fed machine gun okay but what i'm if saying is to, what i'm saying is you just pointed country. out you just pointed out that you can get a machine gun 
even though they were banned. It's very costly. It's, it's hard to get. Right, it's hard to get. I don't even think you. I don't even think it would be efficient enough to buy a machine gun. Where the hell I are you? I saw one on Craigslist. It's like it, I think it would be pointless to have a machine gun. I think the best and Levick's gonna disagree with me, but best the whole, home defense is. Why would Shotgun. I want a machine gun? No, 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 no. I said the best home defense. I, mean, I said he you're said gonna, you're about, too. you're gonna be disagree with me. I said the best home defense weapon would be a shotgun. Yeah, every it's single not. firearm expert agrees with you. A shotgun is actually it's best not. for home defense. No, 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 they do not. It it's is, not. it I'm, is. I'm Especially no, it, if you're indoors, not. we're talking about cornering. <laughs> we're talking about covering the room. We're talking about spread. Shotgun works this every is, time. This is coming. This is coming from a person that does not own a firearm. So I'm, I'm not gonna take your word on that. Uh, just because I don't own a firearm doesn't mean I don't study it. <laughs> studying it, studying it, and using it and shooting it is way totally different. I have so shot firearms. I have shot firearms. I just okay. told you I shot All firearms. Right. Not at the level is doing myself. So having something in the house, fine. I mean, no hold on, Levy. If you think it of it, it like if you think listen, of it, guys, go home today, shoot a shotgun at home, and then in the office, see which one causes more damage. <laughs> <Seriously? laughs> I'm kidding. Don't do that. Have a hundred thirty-pound wife is not going to shoot a twelve-gauge. But a 130-pound wife will take any person out of an AR-15, or, or better yet, a pistol. Well, I didn't, know, I didn't know everybody's wife was 130 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, not to disclose any of our wives' weight, but... <laughs> I'm giving you a typical number. This, this conversation is not going to yeah, go anywhere. It's a circle jerk no, conversation. Yeah, about like, which gun is better for home use. It's whatever you're comfortable Levy, listen, with. Listen, yeah. How about we do this? How about we'll have you on the show one day, and we'll talk about guns all day. Yeah. Maybe we could display some guns as well. Yeah, and we can shoot at the uh, on the show. Yeah. And then we'll shoot, we'll we shoot, the, we'll shoot. We the, yeah, we'll shoot the camera. See which one spreads out more. You come, you come to Nevada. I'll take you to a land. We can do all the shooting you want. There we go. Okay. Thank you, Living Jet. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for the call, Levy. brother. Thanks. Appreciate it. Have man. a good night, buddy. <laughs> so, um, enough, enough about guns. I mean, I mean, we talked about how he's not against the Second Amendment. He's against the post two thousand eight. Yeah, that's um, where I'm at. Um, I'm. I'm you should go buy a firearm. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. I you live should... in a pretty safe uh, uh, city. No, uh, no. We all, again, let me put it to you this We way. have a pretty good police department. Yeah, we have a good police department. <laughs> I own a firearm. Armand owns a firearm. Edgar owns a firearm. I'll, I'll guarantee, I'll, I'll, I don't want to guarantee it, but I'll put it to you this way. There's a likelihood that I'll probably never, and God forbid, I'll probably never use it in my lifetime. Statistically, you're right. Yeah. Due to where we live and mm-hmm. you know our 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 lifestyle, uh, there's a possibility I won't use it. But do I feel safer that I have it? Yeah. Do I go and shoot it? Yes. Does it help with stress? Absolutely. Do I want to know how to use it just in case of an emergency? Right. Absolutely. Well, here's here's the thing though. You say you own a firearm. Do you own ten? Do I own ten? No, I don't own ten. And then the converse to that is, do you train with it? Do I train with it? Meaning, as in like. You go and shoot at a range. Of course. And, yeah. So here's the thing. There are two. Wh- who you are, what you, your relationship with a firearm is the most common aspect of firearm use. Not just in this country, but most of the country. You get one. You have it for protection. You train with it. Correct. You, you will feel comfortable with it, right? Absolutely. What, what the industry, what the firearm industry refers to that is respecting the weapon. Okay. And we have lost sight of respecting the power and the awe of what a firearm can do. Which so goes, which so goes to two, like a mental health. That we well, have it's more not just a, mental health. I think it's actually a culture thing. This is me. It's uh, a now, culture now, thing. now, this is not a I fact. I agree with. I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to say. What, what, it, it, I, I, want I, want you, I want you to clarify what you yeah, mean yeah. by culture. So there's two other groups. 
that are not in what you what I consider you to be the norm. There's the people who have way too many guns. We're talking a dozen or so more. Okay. To them, it has now become um, more than a sport because I can still respect it as a sport. It has become sort of a fetish, almost a a a way of life, a, 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 an all-consuming. Call this it a is hobby, my. Maybe? No, not even. I would say even beyond a hobby, it becomes a personality, an identity. Like my guns are my thing. I'm not just a, a, a seller and buyer of guns. I own all the best guns, and here's the thing. And it becomes sort of like a um, a fun showing off Beanie Baby collection kind of thing. How many of those guys have ever shot anybody? No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Because what happens is when you have those people and they show off their idea of a culture, then you get the converse. You get the person who doesn't train with the weapon. They just see the fantasy of the, of the guns. They buy a firearm. They don't respect the weapon because they think, oh, it's a collection and anybody can have it and it's a fun thing to do. They don't train with it. They don't understand it. And when it comes time to use it, they use it wrong. Either they shoot somebody who they're not supposed to shoot because they're scared and they see an intruder and it's actually their son coming home late at night and they put a bullet through him or they get depressed and they get sad or some chemical imbalance in their brain and then there's the people who go out what, and, what and percentage commit suicide. It's such okay, a no, small no, no. percentage. Well, I, I understand When you that. said culture, I thought you were referring to, because to me, again, everything goes back to culture, when it, whether it's policing, because mm -hmm. police have now become villainized and they're, you know, they're the scum of the earth according to media and politicians. Um, and, and the same culture has shifted from, because if you look at the percentage of gun owners from 1960 and compared to now, same percentage. Yeah, it's, it hasn't changed much. It's about 42-3%. It dropped, I think, like 1% or 2 percentage points. Not much. Right. But, but That's mostly because we're not living but, on the farms anymore. But, but there yeah. were no mass shootings. There was none of yep. this bullshit because of the culture of the yep. United States. Okay, again, family dynamics, family respect, respect for authority, respect mm -hmm. for... Elders, law and order. Law right. and order. None and, of that exists anymore. Right. And I am saying the that's respect, the culture that the respect has shifted. for firearms has diminished. We see people um, sort of glamorize firearms. When I, when people come to me and they know that I'm you know very much pro gun control and that you know we have a problem in this country, and they ask me, they say, "Look, I, I actually live in a bad part of town. Uh, would I don't want to offend you, but I I feel like buying a weapon." And I say, "That's fine." I'm not going to tell you not to buy a weapon. What I am going to tell you is respect the hell out of it, get trained, understand how it works, go to the range, and become a responsible gun owner. But what we have, we have an increase in this country of people who are irresponsible gun owners, where their kids know where it is and it's not locked see, up and they go do I'm, shooting. I'm, you're confusing the shit out of me, bro, because you're saying I'm pro-gun pro control, but you're like, if you want to buy a gun, by all means, go do it, respect it. See, you're saying the right things, but at the same time, you're you're contradicting yourself by saying it's not a contradiction. It is, man. bro. No, uh, do you know about this group called Moms Demand Action? Have you? Heard I don't of know what Moms okay. Demand Action. But it before a, you get it, into Moms Demand Action, okay, why are you saying that you're pro gun control? Mm -hmm. But when somebody says I live in a bad part of town, mm -hmm. I think I need a, I think I know I need a gun to protect myself. You respect it and you and you guide them in the right direction. It's like a double edged sword. It, it's not a double edged sword. It is. Here's the thing, the people, the, the especially the Mom Demand group and other groups. The people who are pushing the hardest for change in gun control legislation are responsible gun owners because they're tired. They're tired of seeing people go out and use uh, them. How are they doing that? 
Are you talking about the march you guys had on the Saturday? The march, yeah. The okay, march what was that included about? about? Well, that was more from the kids, uh, the school shootings and kind of deal. But the people who support them, the Brady campaign, right, the, the, the Moms Demand Action, these are folks who own guns, who are responsible owners of guns, some of them, not all of them, right? But they're in there, and they're trying to write the legislation to protect people so that this culture of respect comes back into owning a firearm. So that it's not just everybody gets one willy-nilly and they really? leave it around so, in the drawer no, and no, it's no, loaded. It, and that's, you know, Moms, moms uh, the M- MDA? Is that moms Demand Action, yeah. yeah. Moms Demand Action. They, they, they need to, again, look at, the, look at the culture we're living in. Do you remember a couple of days ago Schumer on TV what he was saying and what it led to about about, about firearms or no? No, no, no. Um, he was talking about the uh, Wade versus the uh, abortion laws that Roe, v. Wade. Roe versus Roe v. Wade. Roe versus sure. Wade, right? What did he do? He encouraged some nut job to go try to assassinate Kavanaugh, who's a superior court sitting judge, right? He didn't do that. That's not what. What are you talking about, Schumer? Yes. He didn't say go out. He didn't say uh, stand by and stand back. <laughs> no, that was Schumer did. Okay, one of the guys I'm sure will send a quote. Send a, exactly send a quote, send Schumer a link, send something. You must have not, again, you probably didn't see this or don't follow it. Schumer on TV was pretty much saying, saying to Kavanaugh and all the Supreme Court uh, sitting judges that voted for this, you guys are going to answer to this. You have no idea what's coming your way. You have no idea how this... I mean, the guy just went off. And a day later, there was somebody who attempted an assassination against Kavanaugh. Yeah, but people say that stuff all the time politically. That's the culture, again, has shifted. There's absolutely no respect for anything. Why this... Well, sh- no, I agree with that. Well, hold I on. Mean, you, you've been, that, you've, I know what quote you're talking about from Schumer. That stuff, we say that stuff to politicians all the time. But I agree with you that today's culture, we take that to mean something else. And it's changed. And people think, oh, I'm going to solve my problems with a firearm. I, so that has nothing to do with gun, gun laws. It has nothing. To, it has to do with the fact that there's no respect for anything. I, I actually there's agree zero, with you. So yeah. you can have 18 million gun laws. What I think you need to do, if you look at... Look right. at well, the st- hold on. No, no. Sure. Respect is taught and it's earned. Laws is what mm-hmm. gives us the pathway to learning that respect. You can't have somebody say, hey, I need you to respect this weapon and just give it to them without them before, trying to get okay, it at all. Before pot became legal in California, did you know anybody that was a pothead and didn't have access to pot? I knew a bunch of potheads who had access to a bunch of pot. But right, but I mean, I, no, my question was in uh, the opposite of that. Did you know anybody who wanted to smoke, didn't have access to it prior to it becoming legal in California? Um, not really. I mean, I knew it was difficult. It wasn't difficult. I mean, you had to, <laughs> you couldn't just go down to the store and buy it. Like right. You can now. By the way, you want me to read the quote? Yeah, what's the quote? So, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, mm-hmm. you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. Exactly. End quote. No insurrection there. No Nothing. It's it's fine and dandy. And he also said you won't know <laughs> you won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. 
I mean, that's pretty standard stuff. I got to be honest. That's with standard. You. That's stuff. standard. That's huh? pretty standard. Could you politics. imagine if Trump standardly said that too? But he didn't. He said far worse than that. Yeah. Right? No, he did. Yeah. So um, you know. <laughs> but okay, going back to what I was saying is, you you know, posting something that says no guns allowed, gun free zone. You know, we need to check your ID. None of that matters. Look 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 at even what we went, what we dealt with during the pandemic, all these mandates, vaccinations, people losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. This is what's going to cause even more mass shootings. People, millions of people, J Japan, who has the most disciplined culture in the mm -hmm. world. Would you agree? Yeah. yeah, and they have almost no shootings. Do you know what their suicide rate is now? How much? It's gone up over 70%. It was a 75% from what I last saw. Do you know why? Because people have lost their dignity, their way of life, because everything's been taken away from them. There's absolutely, I mean, they have no purpose anymore because everything is about mandates this, we're going to look into that, we need you to verify this, we need you to confirm that for what? Vaccine what, passport whatever, this. Whatever happened to just living your life, government doing its own bullshit up here, not getting involved in everything, every yeah, aspect but, of I your mean, life. If we did that during the pandemic, people would just die from COVID. So where's the trade-off? You know? Don't, don't, <laughs> please don't talk to me about COVID deaths because... But what I'm saying is... How many people would have died from COVID if I, we didn't I, do anything? Here's the thing. At the end of the day... We saved millions of people? Not just that, but the respect. Respect comes from law and order. When we put laws on the books, it gives people a pathway to understand their place in society yeah. and the respect that they can get. When you Which have, law are you referring to? I'm, right now, I'm just talking about gun control, personally. Okay. If you have a society where it's super easy to get a weapon then you will never have a society that respects that weapon however before this uh, change in the second amendment you actually had to jump through some hoops it, to get a firearm it's funny well, how the people not, who killed in baltimore buy the guns in indiana yet nobody kills each other in indiana how does that make sense? Well, the population is much lower. It's actually spread out. It has nothing to no, do with No, it has nothing to do with population. <laughs> oh, no, no, it does, actually. <laughs> no, 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 hold what on it, now. Wait, wait, this what is it, a statistic. De gun crimes increase as population density increases because you interact with people. What did Japan say about America when after uh, Pearl Harbor? They said they would never, ever invade America. Why? Because behind every blade of grass, there was there's an American with a firearm. So, I mean, it's it's not only having a firearm is not only to protect yourself, it's to protect against the outside as well. If somebody has a gun and or let me let me rephrase myself, actually, if you're going into rob a, a liquor store or whatever it is, and you know that shop owner has a gun, what's mm. the likelihood of it being robbed? Right. But I don't disagree with you. That has nothing to do with my argument. My argument is that the shop owner did the work because he knew he was going to own a shop and went through all of the processes to get that gun for protection. So then it's a cultural but, thing. Right. And our culture says that the shop owner should get a gun and also the guy who's going to go in to rob the place should get, have just an easier time to get the gun. I believe that we need to make it harder for both of them to get guns because at the end of the day, the shop owner is going to put in the time to guarantee he has that firearm, whereas the guy walking in to, to get a robbery is not. We have to create a culture of respect. If you're going to jump through the hoops to get to that firearm, you have to be able to respect Do you weapon. really think a guy who's mentally 
thinking, you know what? I'm going to go into this liquor store. I'm going to go into this convenience store. I'm going to go into whatever it is, mm-hmm. and I'm going to rob him for every single penny he has in his register in his safe. Has a legal firearm with him. He's going to go through time. the. He's going to go through the due diligence of. Okay, my plan is to go rob this convenience store, but yeah. I got to go and, you know, make sure my record's clean. Make sure I take a test. Yes, yes. So because you. So he's not going to. He's not going to go out of state, buy a firearm. What I'm saying is from an. That's why we need federal legislation so all the states are uniform. If you create the system that prevents that guy from getting that gun. There's always going to be a black market for it. But it gets smaller and smaller as you crack down. And right now, right now, there is no black market because almost anybody can get one. So it doesn't really matter. But we have to start somewhere. And honestly, this, you know, the bipartisan thing that got sent out yesterday is a good start, but it needs to be more. Let's, that's just let, where let's I'm move at. on from guns. Yeah. I think because he doesn't have any technically any influence over guns, but he does <laughs> yeah. have influence Bro, over. Nobody, here's the thing: the local no, economy. No, nobody is born pro guns, and nobody is born anti gun. Uh, something in your life happens, or you go through some sort of life experience where you decide to go to one of the paths. That's what it is. I don't think it's a either or. I think there's a middle ground. I think there are people out there who want. Guns for everybody and other people who want guns for nobody, and there's a bunch of people in between. I, I could promise you this. I could promise you this. You go to, you go to a black neighborhood, and you ask them, "Would you feel comfortable having a firearm to protect yourself?" I'll guarantee you, 100 percent of them will say yes. Whereas but if you that's go to true anywhere, well, no, you can go to some suburban areas where every single neighbor knows each other, and some of them might be like, "Yeah, we, you know what? We don't, we don't really need guns. We, everybody knows everybody, and we feel safe and." Uh, there's not a lot of crime that takes place here. The, well, can I just point out that Go ahead. that could be a black neighborhood as well? The the neighborhood you just described, where no, everybody no, knows I've, each you, other. Absolutely. Okay. What you're actually talking about are neighborhoods with high crime rates. Now, unfortunately, in this country, a lot of those neighborhoods are mostly minority neighborhoods, and that has to do with, you know, systemic racism and all the economics revolving redlining and that kind of thing. However, I will agree with you that if somebody lives in a bad neighborhood and they want to get a firearm for their protection, we should have a system in place where they can get that. But the system is there. I understand that. The system is also there, and it's so easy to get a gun that the neighborhood who is the bad people also get that firearm. We need stronger laws... To crack down, and and I get what your argument is. Mean, you're, you're, you're saying, saying anybody can get no, the gun. No, you're saying this as somebody who's never applied for a gun. No, no, hold on a second. I've also never uh, tried to buy cocaine off the street, but I'm not trying to advocate that we should make cocaine illegal. No, but you can't compare cocaine to, for example, to the gun. The, the, I want to see you go. I, I, how can I, I not? Why I can would, I not? Do I that? would love to pick you up tomorrow, take you to Turner's, and have you t- take the written exam. Just to see if you'll pass. Well, forget about Turner's. He can go to one of the stores they're trying to shut down and try to buy bullets. Not not a gun. Try to buy ammunition. See what happens. Well, in California, that's actually a rigorous process. Okay. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is... And yet we, we talk have about, no killings in When we talk California, about bun, right? bans and we talk about registrations and we talk about run, jumping through hoops and licensing, everything that you do to make it more difficult reduces the total... I'm not saying that nobody's ever going to... Break the law and get one. You just have to make it harder. Make it difficult. You make okay. it more difficult, and less people will do it. That's it. That's. I want to pick his brain about business because he, right, he shared business. a very good idea. He said, 
the way a business should start is employees come together, they start a business, and they water. They they um, vote. Water, sure, yeah. yeah. They vote one of them to become the president CEO, right? Yeah, yeah. So so explain how that works and. Do you have an example of a business that started that way? Yeah, so, I mean, it's basically a co-op, right? There's a lot of co-ops that function in this country. Um, fundamentally, because we are such a pro-corporate uh, uh, society, we have so many tax breaks and loopholes and rebates for corporations. Like what? Name me one. Oh, my gosh. If you, you know... Uh, operate at a loss for one year, you can t uh, take that right off against you know the following year. And oh yeah, that's um, that applies it, to even if you have a DBA, right? But I'm saying at the at the uh, uh, the large levels, right? You can operate at losses for years, and what we don't do is give the same type of um, you know buyback abilities or you know stock buybacks or um, you know, 401k offsets and all, all of that stuff, all the stuff that make corporations profitable in this country, we don't offer them to A, small businesses, or B, co-ops on a large scale. So give me an example of a co-op. I can't think of one. Uh, uh, I mean, I could look one up if you want. There's, uh, so it's not that common. Very it's rare. not. It's very, it's very uncommon. Um, Why is that? Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Because it doesn't work? No, because we don't incentivize it. <laughs> incentivize it how? Uh, what's, the, the what's the because a co-op? From what I'm understanding, you can create an LLC and you can have a million members, right? You can call that a co-op, correct? No, no, no. Then what? Uh, so you have to actually you have to register it. You have to start it as a co-op, and uh, well, you don't have to start it as a co-op. You can transfer any business into a co-op. Uh, all right. Fundamentally, so let, let's you and I let's let's. Hypothetical. We're starting a business. Mm -hmm. What are we starting and how do we do a co-op? Tell me. Because um, I want to understand what that means. Okay. Well, okay. Think of it this way. All right. I'll put co-ops in very simple terms. You start a business. You and your wife start a business together. Mm -hmm. And you're the two names on the company, right? You're, you're uh, dual owners. What type of company is it? S-Corp, LLC? Because I said LLC. You said you can't do LLC. Well, okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, for our purposes, this is theoretical. Don't worry about the corporation okay. or the or the um, how it's listed. The two of you start a business. You operate the business, and uh, at the end of the day, the profits come back to you, you and your wife, who both own the business. You're the ones working it. Say, it, do we have employees? No, 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 no. Just the two of you. Say you operate a lemonade stand, right? That's the simplest okay. argument yes. in, in this country. You operate a lemonade stand. You do all the work. You do all the labor. You buy all the product. You sell all the product. The two of you together. And you share the profits equally because you're co-owners, right? Right. The basic idea of a co-op is if you expand, instead of simply hiring an employee and paying them a wage, you instead take them on as, as a, a partner. business partner. Okay. And you just continuously keep taking on business partners. partners. Uh, most tech startups operate that way. So a bunch of chiefs, no Indians. There you go. <laughs> well, so hold on, hold on. How many businesses have you owned in the past? How many businesses have I owned? Yes. I haven't owned any businesses. Okay. So where do you come up with this theory? This is just a, a theory. 
it's not theory. I mean, people have done it. This is like name me one tech company. You said tech companies do. Name me one that's done it. Um, I believe Apple started that way, and Apple was three partners. They yeah. expanded, but there was no partnership. There was a three partners. Three partners, and then they started. They brought they, in investors. They brought in investors. They brought investors. Correct. The right. investors okay. took a share, yeah. but the with the the money that they took from the investors. They ha- they got assets. Mm-hmm. They hired employees. Yeah, that's the standard way of doing it. Once you've hit that yeah. point, so the a- Apple can't be an example. No, of no, it. no. It is an example because it started as a partnership. It's, yeah, but I mean, every every business started up as a that's partnership. Right. But you're saying long haul, continue long it. Haul. Meaning, if you have, let's say, for example, a company like Apple, how many employees does Apple have? Over a hundred thousand. Oh, you're telling me a hundred thousand chiefs. No, a hundred thousand Indians. Do you put your well, phrase? Which well, is well, technically, I don't agree well, with no. those phrases. Well, but okay, that's fine. Hundred hundred thousand owners. A hundred thousand co-owners. Co-owners who okay. all work at the business. So okay, so let's what say what percentage for, do they get though? Based on their title. Well, forget. Hold on. Forget percentage. Who makes the decisions on on certain products? They vote on it. A hundred thousand. Hundred thousand people vote on a CEO, and you know every. So then I mean you're back to square one. So th- what is the CEO's position then? He's the guy who makes the decision. So he makes the decision. So why can't the person who came up with the product continue to basically operate it as the CEO because it's his idea, it's his investment? That's how we do his, it now. Well, I mean, it's, it's you're basically saying the same. Th- no, 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 no. I mean, here's here's the In thing. In this country, what we do is you start with that small business model, right? Okay. And then we have an incentive process where people can invest and own shares, right? Correct. Versus the idea of well, why do I need an investment? When I can just bring in more people and they invest their own money and buy a portion and become a partner. Well, you can do that with Apple. Yeah. I, I understand that, but they didn't do that. They've always done They've it. always done no, it. No, 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 no. You're buying shares. Right. What I'm saying is you, they come in and actually work. They're the laborers and they do that. They job. actually do that too. I'll tell you how they do it. Uh, you can look up a local uh, tech company that's blowing up Service Titan on Brand Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And if you read about them, you'll see that their initial core employees all had stock options, meaning when the company does well, they get dividends. Sure. When it goes public, they're going to become multimillionaires. Right, right. But the problem is, at the end of the day, they're selling that share to other people who are not workers. They're just shareholders. And the problem we have in this country is the people who are driving the economy aren't the people doing the work at the job. It's somebody with an investment saying, do this and do because that. The, because the worker, if the worker had the money to do it, they would do it on their own. Yeah. There's a reason why they're an employee and not an employer. Right, but nobody does that anymore. They all either are the employee or the employer. We don't incentivize ways in this country for people to be partners. Even even the basic three-partner system that that uh, uh, Apple started with, the first thing so they did... So here's what you're asking. Here's what I'm understanding. There's three of us here, yeah. okay? Um, he's worked his ass off to become, let's say he has $10 million worth of real estate. Um, you've worked half as much as he has. Let's say whatever you've done. Uh, you've owned a couple of restaurants. You have you know $5 million net worth. I've done absolutely nothing I've just read books and watched YouTube videos and I have a lot of ideas about how things should be done. 
And then the three of us come together. I say, listen, between the three of us, we're worth $15 million. I mean, um, wait, that's not how it works. We're worth whatever the new business that we're creating is worth. He keeps his $10 million, I keep my five. Now, here's the thing, though. If we have to put an investment in the company to start with, I don't know about you, but I don't think we should hire him as a partner because he's got nothing. <laughs> that's how every business starts, though. I know that's how it starts, but that's not where it goes. Is what because I'm saying. Because it can't go so there. Then, it so can. then, okay. So it let me can. ask you this. So then, let's say for <laughs> let's say for example, yeah, we bring them on board. Mine is ten. Yours is five. Yeah. The company begins to prosper, and you know we start making money. What's his cut? Well, he'd get a smaller cut because we need to. Why get would he get anything if he hasn't? Pro- if he's just been reading books and going on YouTube all well, day and jerking off. Well, the only reason we would hire him on anyways is because it's some value to the company, right? He's creating some something to do if not then why are we hiring him anyways so then who's who's at risk wise who's risking the most well that depends how much we're putting in if you're putting in the whole 10 million let's say i own the building i'm putting in another call it five million dollars in equipment and all this stuff you're putting in two million in equipment and stuff and he's just basically there as far as he wants employees (laughs) to be vested but the approach he's taking comes from again a theory see and and that's the problem Again, I have with people like Dr. Fauci, um, you know, I don't want to say I have a problem with you, but I have a problem with your theories. You've never, ever managed a single employee. You've never. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, I didn't say ne- that. I've managed employees. I've been supervisors and, and I never owned a business, you've, but I've run okay, businesses. Okay, you've never owned a business. You've never raised money for a business. Um, I've managed a lot of money for businesses. I've done you, accounting. How much money have you raised? Uh, when I was working in property management, I would... Uh, my accounts would be between one and two million dollars. How would you raise that, though? How are you raising that? Money? I'm not. Ra- I'm not going out and asking money. You're but managing. I'm, running, I'm managing. Okay, managing yeah. money. Managing money that I've worked hard for is different. You know, a lot of people go and get their MBAs to learn how to do that. Yeah. Okay, right. But sure, a lot of sure. people who have an MBA can't do jack shit about raising money or actually running a business because, again, they've studied theory. When you've got a guy like Dr. Fauci who hasn't seen a patient in 400 years and wants to tell other physicians how to manage patients, that's the thing. Everything in theory sounds amazing. Let's do this. If you only brought everybody in, like I said, I've been a business owner for 20 years. I've had thousands of employees well, over the last 20 on. years. They're not my theories. I didn't come up with this stuff. This is You just... haven't given me one successful organization that's done that. Well, it doesn't. It's it, it doesn't exist. It hasn't been impl- implemented yet. We don't <laughs> no, have because it, it, it won't work. Well, That's it will thing. if we change the structure. No, what no, I'm saying is that we see, have. See, well, hold on, hold on. See, we John have a structure saying, that incentivizes corporatization. This is what I. See, so you're John, never going to get a co-op. It. See, John was saying put. He was basically he quoted me. He was saying, uh, "I put in the money for the building. That's what capitalism. That's the beauty of capitalism. If basically if I put in the money, and I hire you as an employee, employee, and I'm paying you X amount of dollars, right? Sure. And you're not happy with the work environment. You're not happy with the pay. You're not. You're doors work for the co- doors right there. Yeah, yeah. Go, 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 go work for. But I'll tell you this much. I guarantee you this: the employee that was there, if they're a smart one, they're going to be leaving the company, going to work somewhere else with some sort of knowledge of the business. Sure, yes no? sure. The problem is though, he says the beauty of capitalism is that you have that whole system. The problem with capitalism is you have systems where employees are not satisfied with their work. Then go some work somewhere else. Right. But we have a fundamental system where that's inherent. Which Why do we have a corporate system in this country where so many workers are treated poorly? 
And then we say, well, just go work somewhere else. We shouldn't have to Who, have them work somewhere else. Poorly? Who's treated Which poorly? Millions and millions. Why do, why do people leave their jobs? Because you, you brought up Apple, right? Apple yeah. is what now? Two and a half trillion dollar company? Yeah. Not doing too well for themselves, right? Because they're not a co-op. I mean, what was this country built on? I'm trying to remember. Was it built on co-ops or capitalism? It was actually small built, bi- businesses. It was built on mercantilism before capitalism. So we started capitalism pretty soon after this country was built. So when it was became, that? I mean, that, you know, late 1700s, early 1800s. But we fundamentally changed how we do business in this country in the very early. When did early we become the United States of America? When did we become an actual independent nation? 1776. Okay, and you said when did capitalism start? Late 1700s. So pretty soon after the country was founded. And when did the country actually develop to be what it is today? After it, be, after it I mean, implemented capitalism? I, it didn't really implement capitalism. <laughs> what we did was create a corporate... Capitalism wasn't a thing until years later it was defined. What we did was incentivize corporatization in this country in the very early, you know, uh, decades of our founding because what we didn't want was a monarchy. And the only thing we had to push against that was this mercantile trading of, of companies to prevent the land ownership of the monarchy. And so we jumped in full force onto that. We said, okay, if that's the answer to stop monarchy, let's go full in. And so we did that. And we have all, all of the, you know, the LLCs, the S-Corps, all that stuff came from our desire to come away from uh, a land ownership by, you know, God and by right and the monarchy. It should be business, business, business. But you're against private land ownership too, right? Because you're, no, you're full supporter of Richard Wolf, right? Yeah, but that's not against private land ownership. Richard Wolf follows um, Karl Marx. And one of the key things Karl Marx theory was no private property. Okay. That's for businesses. Okay. There's a difference. You as an individual, you can get all the all the personal and private property that you own. What Carl what what the fundamental Marxism theory holds is that if it's a business, if it's a money making profit industry, at the very basics of it, it should be owned by, by the people. Everybody. By well, mostly by the people who run it. Not necessarily everybody, but maybe the people locally can vote on it. <laughs> That's why I said if we have 15 million people between the three of us, we should all be worth the same thing. That's essentially what you're saying. We should all own 5 million of it. Well, no, not own, but direct it. If we're equal partners, even though he put in 10 and I put in 5, we should all come to the table and vote on what we should do with that money. Now, at the end of the day, it's 2 to 1. We're probably going to vote to give ourselves a little bit more. Yet you can't name one company that's done that. Can you name me one country that's been successful following that theory of... Let's spread the wealth. Everybody gets, you know, X amount of Everybody's equal. ownership of the land. Um, everybody owns a X percentage of all the corporations, all the profits. Everything goes to the people. Can you name me one country? Uh, Bolivia is doing pretty well with it. Uh, Mexico recently has implemented a lot of these policies. I mean, we're seeing Mexico success. Mexico and Bolivia in are doing well in, <laughs> in what way? Comparatively to what they've been doing. Obviously, uh, they're not going to catch up to us. We've, you know, got the market on profitability and success capitalism that's right we started with capitalism and we're way ahead yeah of course we are because it's basically this country was founded and built on capitalism. i know that john china was built on capitalism 
I'm not. It wasn't built on com- communism. There, it's a capitalistic economy with a communistic social. Yeah, people call it state-run capitalism. So, if you think China was built on socialism or communism, you should move there. I hear they're hiring PI attorneys. <laughs> um, I, but see, here's because because I like to look at look, facts. Mo- modern Russia was built on communism. I'll give them that. But here's okay. the thing. At the end of the day, it's not about how successful a single nation is, who the best and brightest and the wealthiest is. It's how you treat the people, the everyday people, the people who are running the country. And what we've seen in the United States is a rapid decline of not only the middle class, but the lower classes as well, people who are at the bottom. They see less every day. They have less chance of success. In fact, our generation is now i mean uh, you know the, the the between 30 and 50 that generation is now the very first generation in the United States in 100 years to be less well off than their parents so i mean what's what's the how do you solve something like that it's a, we need a fundamental change and this Meaning is what i'm what? saying we need more uh, um, uh, safety net more public service we need more uh, uh, um, support for small businesses and employees and you know, one of the things I tell people all the time I'm is I'm surprised like, I haven't heard him say tax tax billionaires more. Well, how are you going to pay for it? You tax the billionaires. But at the end of the day, one of the things I'm actually pushing for here locally in Burbank is a tax credit for small businesses. So I actually want to lower taxes on small businesses. And what, based on what? Based on sales tax. That's my key. Is uh, How much sales so, tax they make, you get So how do you qualify so for I a small business? <laughs> um, I would put it, you know... Between uh, um, under ten employees, you get uh, a big a big rebate. Between ten and twenty five, you get a smaller rebate. Everyone over twenty five, uh, get out of here. We don't need. We don't. We, we don't. You get make enough. You know. You know, I I was reading about again because I know you're you're you know you see, you've admitted you're a socialist far left right, mm-hmm. um, and I was reading about the three countries that most recently tried to adapt socialism, which was India, India, UK, and Israel, all of them failed horribly. And... I mean, implement how and failed how. I mean, that's... I can read you the statistics. I have it here. And what's... what's and, and, and you know what's been happening is if you look at even the age, the demographics of people who are pushing socialism, the average age used to be 68 years old. Now it's 33 years old. What that tells me is the indoctrination of brainwashing students in school to, to, you know, we need to get rid of your loans. We need you to universal base income or, you know, everybody needs to be treated equal and everybody needs to get a fair wage and all this. We need to increase minimum wage to $20. Bernie Sanders has never, ever had any employees, never ran a business, trying to push $20 minimum wage. The guy has absolutely no idea how the economics of a small business work. Uh, yet, see, it's, it's, these are the things that bother me is if you've never operated a business, you've never written a payroll check out of your own bank account, you can't tell me that I need to raise my minimum wage from 12 to 15 or 15 to 20 because we we're all witnessing right now that the raise in minimum wage is actually destroying the economy and it's destroying people's lives. Well, not only that. Wait, 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 you, hold on, hold on a second. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Before, what, before what you raise say, in minimum wage? There hasn't been a raise in minimum wage in 12 years. Of course it has. Seven twenty-five federal what? minimum wage, $7.25. No, no, I'm not talking no, no, about no. federal. What's, what's the state minimum wage? It's 
barely it's gone up one dollar. You're saying one dollar well, in one year? How much is it? In one year. Okay. How, how much, much is, is it? it right now? It's cl- it's fifteen dollars, close to it. Okay. And, and but it's wh- been four, it was fourteen last year. I don't understand. And what was what the year before that? It's thirteen. Okay, so it's been going up a dollar a year. And it's in California. The so rest I mean, of the country is so, not. so we're basically we're trying to we're trying to basically <laughs> emulate or we're trying to emulate what they're doing in I don't know, call it Sweden, call it Denmark, where everybody's kind of equal, right? Well, that's the fundamental uh, 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 phrase in our constitution. Well, right? what's, what's, all what's, men are created equal. Well, what's the minimum wage in Denmark and in and in Sweden? I actually don't know. What there the is no minimum wage. wage. Well, look at this. Here, here, here. There, there is no minimum wage in in those countries. Well, don't they all have unions or something like that? They all negotiate. Where their Denmark? Wages. I'll yeah. tell you. I'll tell you how it works in Denmark. But look, Israel statistics. I'll read it to you. Um, the government kept on borrowing money, spending, and driving up infl- infl- inflation while this was during the period of time where they were uh, trying to push uh, socialism. What year are we talking about? Uh, yeah, we're talking about um, between 1917 and, uh, sorry, 1978 and 79. Uh, it had reached a peak of 450%. Uh, uh, sorry, no. It, it was an average of 77% for 78 to 79, and it reached a peak of 450% in 84 and 85. And then what happened is they, they came to the U.S., they asked for help. Reagan said, okay, we'll offer you $1.5 billion grant as long as you change your economy from socialism to adapting capitalism. And guess what happened? Within a year, inflation tumbled from 450% down to 20%, a budget deficit of 15%, and the GDP shrank. Uh, uh, sorry, the, uh, a 15% deficit of the GDP shrank to zero mm-hmm. in yeah. a matter of a year. All I can say is, I mean, do you know how much money we still give Israel every year? I mean, they, Three billion. Yeah, so... That, that's not... That, that doesn't. I'm saying help they can't equation. run their own economy without our money. No, no, so, that's not. Uh, the three no billion doesn't go to their economy. The three billion is just, you know, that's kind of a Jewish tax that <laughs> that exists, and no, 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 that no, has no. nothing to do with their These, economy. You can't just point out one country that did some change 40 years okay. ago. Let's let's look at let's look at. You want to look at the Scandinavian no, no, no. I, countries? No, no. I have the statistics I, for the I Scandinavian this. countries. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Do you want to see it? I mean, it's fine if you want to. No, no, I'm no we don't have here to. Here locally. Here locally, you're saying, again, why are how many businesses were shut down permanently during the pandemic? During the pandemic? Yes, in only, Burbank. In only Burbank. one business was shut down permanently. A lot of other businesses just failed and had to close their doors. That's not sh- shutting down permanently? That, well... The Nobody one business you're referring to, you themselves. shut them down. You guys shut them down. Yes. That's that, different. Yeah. You guys shut what down I'm one saying, business. What I'm saying is there are businesses that closed, and the vast majority of them were not able to either change their operations or operate at all during the pandemic. And that is heartbreaking. It was... Why weren't they able to function during the pandemic? They functioned for 10 years prior to that. Of course, but there was, you know... Global thing happening. People were dying left and right, and uh, people were worried. Please don't say people were dying left and right. Come on. I work with St. Joe's. I work with all the I, hospitals. I Nobody was dying left and right. There were people dying. You cannot tell me people didn't die people, from COVID. People, Come on. Same number of people died from the flu the years prior. Same exact number. Nothing changed. The only thing that changed is now the younger generation is dying from myocarditis and other heart-related conditions. 
because of as a total side note the number one killer of children in this country is firearm death so that that's heartbreaking too but i don't don't worry no no don't (laughs) worry the cdc will take care of that because now that they're going to be pushing six months old to five-year-olds they'll take over that statistic in no time because no no child should be forced to be vaccinated anywhere in the in the I don't world. think anybody's forcing anybody to get vaccinated. I wasn't forced to no. be vaccinated. Really? It, it was all willing. Everyone took the vaccine who wanted to take Willingly. the vaccine. I don't know anybody who was held down and forced to take the vaccine. Um, number of businesses. You get the vaccine or you're fired. Hospitals. County. County. But wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> Didn't you just say if you don't like being an employee somewhere, you can go work somewhere else? Correct. But if you, <laughs> if, if every you, hospital <laughs> is mandating yeah, the yeah, same yeah. bullshit, where hold do you on. go work? Well, let me ask you something. You get you, a different job, man. So it's capitalism. So, so, so hold on. So okay. So <laughs> let's say you go. You go become. You, <laughs> Come on, that was pretty good. All right. <laughs> you, you work your ass off. You go become a doctor. You don't want to get a vaccine. Basically, go start your career all over again. Hold on. Do you know a doctor who didn't get a vaccine because the medical professionals? I. They were. They were pushing this vaccine. I know. I know doctors and no, I know nurses were. who have not gotten the vaccine for religi- religious exemptions. Okay, so they're still working. But not. Ev- yeah, but not everybody had that opportunity. Not everybody had that luxury. I wouldn't call a religious exemption a luxury. I think it's a fundamental right in this country. But look, there are a lot of people. Who I call it a luxury with a vaccine that basically just came out a year and they're trying to basically implement it into everybody and try to inject that shit into everybody. Look, people were scared. Let's be honest. So, the country was worried. People panicked. COVID was scary and it killed a lot of people. Okay. There's no COVID you can't, was scary for two weeks. That's it. Until we figured out, okay. Same bullshit as anything else. Move on with your lives. You can you can quarantine the frail and elderly and the ones who are sick, autoimmune deficient. You can quarantine them, but when you quarantine the whole world, you shut people down. You leave them. You lock them down in their homes. What ends up happening is shootings go up, suicides go up, crime, uh, deaths from cancer go up, well, now, heart disease on. go up. You know why? Because these people were not seen by their specialists for months and years. I understand that. I know. People uh, couldn't see their prevent- families. People, preventative procedures were put off for, for months and years, and these people are not dying because I see these people right, right. dying. But you're talking about looking back and and, and critiquing no, what no, no, had no, happened. No, no. no I'm you not looking to, back. But we didn't know that at the time. We knew that. Watch our show from two years ago. From two years ago, yeah, oh, you yeah. were telling There's, people what yes, COVID was like yes. and how the vaccine was going to be and all that. Hundred percent. Come on, you were guessing. Did you get? Did best. you get? Did you? Did you get COVID? <laughs> I have never gotten COVID. You've never gotten COVID. I've never. Gotten and you're it. fully vaccinated. I'm fully vaccinated with a booster. With the booster, okay. Knowing what you know today about COVID, if you were to go back to April of 2020, mm-hmm. would you change anything as far as the way you were running Burbank? Or the way you were approaching certain Well, I wasn't in office then yet, but I would say there would would have been some changes more. We know more about the transmission, about the, the, the way it moves, the way people get it. We didn't know that. We, had, we were very strict, and it was a huge lockdown that didn't need to be as strict as it was. Yeah. It went from droplets hold to... On, hold the, on, it's an improvement. He said... Didn't have to be as strict. Yeah. Okay. It was. It was very strict. But again, I I repeat myself. A lot of people the, died, and people were scared. Okay, but they were scared because of what they were seeing on the media. Oh, you know, two million people are dying. Five hundred million people well, are going to die. Look, media. 
by its nature is sensationalism. I'm not a fan of big corporate media because whatever gets the clicks gets shown on the 5 o'clock news, right? So I don't like that. But it is a fact of nature. It is what it is. We can complain about corporate media all day. I think uh, they do a disservice to this country. But the vast majority of the general public watches it. They believe a certain thing, and they wanted to see stuff happen. And you will find that public support for what happened during the time of the pandemic was very high. Even, you know, even people who didn't agree with uh, uh, the president or the governor or whatever it was, people were supportive of it. So for us to sit here and say two years ago we should have done this, we should have done that, I agree. There should have been a lot of different stuff. But we can't, we cannot emulate that type of fear and, and thinking that the people had at the time. I remember people coming to me like, this is the end. This is the apocalypse. This is the Armageddon. This is the virus that's going to kill us all or turn half us into zombies. And this is the movie that I saw with Brad Pitt. Well, people, half the people are, I think more than half the people are actually zombies. Right. But there was you that. You still have people wearing double masks, <laughs> driving in their cars alone. I mean, it, it's, it's become a joke. You, human, psychology, human psychologically have been ruined. Everybody's afraid of, of the common flu. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The common cold. You're right. I don't disagree with you. And there's and when you look at the CDC, which is what everybody is trusting, the CDC has come out and says that majority of the people that died, what was it like ninety something percent, had five or more comorbidities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, and, and, I think they're, and they're saying the vaccine did did didn't do anything uh, as what well, it was not supposed a, it, to. It, it, it's, it's still I think transmit. Like, you can still transmit. I, I understand. Right now, more people that are dying are vaccinated than not. Right. So I think we have more of a health crisis in the United States than we do a COVID crisis. A lot of people. I think we're the un- most unhealthy nation in the world. The, Everybody's I stuffing mean, their I face agree. with we Taco consume. Bells and McDonald's well, and not working out. I mean, you yourself. I mean, you you're talking, and you know that was something I admired as well. You're talking about, you know, you hit a PR during you were doing your bench press, right? Yeah, yeah. You're taking care of yourself, right? Yeah, but you got to remember, in this country, we you know subsidize high fructose corn syrup and we don't pay for people's health insurance. Like our government money goes to buying sweets and paying for it federally, but not the doctors and 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 medication. To to help, well, I mean, yeah, of course we have Ukraine to take care of. <laughs> come on, man! Come on, look, man! Look, come on, I, man! I, come I, on! Look, I just want to say one last thing on this pandemic thing. People were worried. Did we do perfectly? No. Did we try to do our best? Absolutely. No, we didn't. Yes, we. No, did. no. I look. I I believe everybody who was looking down the barrel of this pandemic. They tried to Who was do looking down the barrel. Every, we were all, all everybody was. Bro, a, a month into this, we were done. Who was looking? I don't know if we were done by a month. No, no, no. As in, like, Armand, myself, <laughs> Oh, Edgar, you were over it. You we were, were over we it. Were, <laughs> we were done, bro. See, I mean, you, you okay. laugh. How many, well, how many doctors do you know that treated tens of thousands of COVID patients? Not tens of thousands, but I knew all the nurses at St. Joe. I had Forget about the hospital. Me. The hospital had a protocol, which mm-hmm. was put them on a ventilator. Well, and then put them on a dialysis machine, put them on specific protocol, and then yeah. call the family and say, sorry, your loved one is no longer with us. That was the protocol. But I'm talking about physicians who treated treated patients. Because I know close to 50 physicians around the country that I talk to regularly over the last two years mm-hmm. who've combined treated probably 
over 100,000 patients with almost zero deaths. That's the people that were looking into the barrel and giving advice, but nobody was listening. These, these doctors' licenses were being revoked because they were speaking against the government. That's where I have issue. It's not about, and, and I deal with the most frail population, okay? These are 80-plus-year-olds who are terminally ill, yet none of my patients died from COVID. But yet the whole world was dying from COVID. It was an apocalypse. I didn't see any of it. I didn't experience it. I work with every hospital in well, L.A. County. I understand that, but the statistics are there. I mean, no, the statistics were inflated, and the CDC and everybody else admitted, you know what, they died with COVID, not from COVID. But They're the two rest of things. the world, you would think, is in the on this same, CDC conspiracy? Sa- I mean, it's not. Thi- come on. Of course. Look at Italy. Okay, Italy right now. Italy was overrun. Okay, well, right, right now, right now, because besides that, Italy, everybody's living on top of each other. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> so the virus will spread. I know, and it's a again, thing, and yeah, again, majority of the people that did pass were not the healthiest people. A lot of them had underlying issues. Sure, sure, but that's I got half COVID this twice. I mean, that's <laughs> he saw me on New Year's where I was handing him this damn laptop and saying, "Hey, listen, I'm going to miss the show because I don't want to give you or Edgar COVID." He had, <laughs> you had a cold, and he was like, "Arno looked better than I did." I, I swear to God, man, if you take care of yourself, this is basically. Well, yes, but we can't we can't uh, uh, derive policy or write legislation based on the idea that everyone's going to take care of themselves. Do you think masks are going to do that? Masks were proven to reduce transmission. Cloth masks? Cloth, a little bit. N95 no, 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 more no. so? Cloth masks. Did no, cloth nobody masks wore work? an N95, just so you know. Not at the beginning, no. No, no, no. no, no, no nobody no, wore nobody. a 95. KN95. KN95. They're two different things. Right, I'm sorry. You're right. Okay. Yes. KN95, KN95, you might as well yeah. just you know wear your kid's diaper on your face. Yeah, because I look at it like this. If you could smell a fart, you can get the virus. <laughs> Cloth mask did not work, man. Wait, no, that's not the same. No, no, no. Uh, farts are methane. The virus is on water droplets. Okay, so I'm, there's I'm a joking. Diff- okay, all right. Okay, okay. But, but look, look, look. You have to remember. You have to remember. Everything we did was what we thought was in the best interest at the time. It wasn't just the CDC. We were looking at what other countries were doing. We were looking at Italy. Okay. We were looking at China. We were looking I'll, at. I'll, t- what, I'll you tell know. you why that's BS. Because. Do we have all the statistics we need from Israel and from Germany, from other leading countries, scientifically leading countries, where they say your natural immunity is 27 times, I'm not making a number up, 27x more effective than the vaccine. We have these statistics from Israel. Right, but the vaccine still helps. Oh, There's on, a percentage. No, 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 no. Not, not when the statistics say it's not two times it's not 27 times so then tell me if we've learned from the pandemic if we could have gone you know if we go back we could have done things differently why are they still trying to push kids under the age of five or under the age of 12 or any age child right to get the vaccine when there's been zero deaths from covid well here's the thing why why if the vaccine has been proven to give me even a slight increase of survivability or lower viral load or lower symptoms. You not, didn't hear what I said. Right, well, Twenty-seven. I understand, I understand that. But if the if the vaccine has proven to give me a slight edge no, on hasn't. top of the twenty-seven, it hasn't. It no, has. No, People no, I with don't, 
didn't hear what I said. He just okay. He just said kids, meaning. Six and under. Right. Maybe even right. 17, right. 18 the under. Twenty-seven X is not for kids. Well, who is it for then? It's for in across general. the board. Right. Across the right. board. Twenty-seven I, X. I understand that. I understand. It. It's twenty-seven X, but also if you get the vaccine, it goes up beyond that. No, it doesn't. It actually goes down. It doesn't go beyond that. No, it does. Of course, it does. Please, That's what the vaccine is please for. Please show me the statistic that says twenty-seven X natural immunity. Get the vaccine. You go up to twenty-eight. You actually go down to almost zero. How is that? What are you talking about? Of that's course. impossible. No, that's not how uh, immunity I'll works. I'll share with you all the statistics of the vaccine, and you can read it for yourself. Okay, if that were true, nobody would ever get a vaccine ever. They have to, because they'll be fired from their job. I'm talking about other vaccines. I'm talking about the measles, Which, mumps, rubella. I'm talking about tetanus. I, I wasn't around back then as far as, I, I don't remember what their marketing scheme was back then. <laughs> now I know what it is. Look, uh, we've I'm, eradicated polio because of a vaccine. Look, look your, your natural <laughs> immunity is always the number one defense. It's always going to be better. But the vaccine gives you that boost. Okay, can I ask you something? Can I, let me ask you this. Okay. In the city of Burbank, in order to be an employee there, do you have to be vaccinated? Yes, you do. Well, see, it's, it's, it's basically, it's control, man. That's, that's the requirement of the that, job. That's segregation. You also got to wear a shirt when you're on the clock. No, no. Is that you're control? You're comparing a shirt to a vaccine? Yes, I am. It's a requirement of the job. You, you have to do certain things. You can't. <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> really? Job requirements. It's not, that's, that's not okay, man. That, that is not okay. You're talking about put, injecting something into somebody's body where we don't know what the Can you explain long-term how the mRNA effects, works? Yeah, we don't know, even know what the long-term effects of this va- vaccine are. This is an emergency vaccine, is okay. it not? I can tell you what the long-term effects of long is COVID it, are. I, I know, mean, but is it, is it an emergency vaccine? It is currently uh, designated by the CDC as an emergency, emergency. vaccine. And, still, and you're yeah. basically putting people, people's jobs, people's livelihood on the line and saying, inject yourself with this emergency vaccine. We don't know what the underlying issues or the long, basically, what the long-term effects will be. The but you know what? We'll the, keep, what? You they can are the keep clinical your job. trial. Bill. Look, They're all I'm saying trial. is, look, the vaccine that was greenlit by President Trump that he took himself is the same vaccine that I got, so... If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for oh, So let me ask really? you. Really? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I ask, went there. I went there. So let, let me ask you this. Let's, let, let's say, I know, seriously, bro. Let's say 10 years from now, people stop dropping dead from heart attacks because of this vaccine. Who, who are they going to go after? Who are they going to go after? Yeah. Nobody. I, do, I mean, that's going to be hard to prove. But It'll be a fucking another pandemic. <laughs> like everybody's dying of heart disease. It's, and it's not hard to prove. Look it's at the, speculation. Look at military deaths and all these athletes dying. That's not, it's not, come on. It's not, all of a sudden we've got 25-year-olds in tip-top shape just, oh, he just fell and died. What happened? Bob Saget. <laughs> Arno, thank you for the $10 super chat. Arno wants to know, what do you know about monoclonal antibodies instead of the jab? <laughs> That's hey, listen, man, mad props to you for sitting down with us, by the way. <laughs> no, I, I, look, I, I, I love the guy's sense of humor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I don't... I don't. And ag- people have said it as well. Vic said it as well. He goes, you know what? I admire the guy for sitting down yeah. and having a conversation. <laughs> because, listen, not a lot of people will do what you're doing right now. Well, you know, here's the thing. I'm not out here to change hearts and minds. But if I can at least give some nugget of an idea that somebody thinks is possible and we can find some compromise on there i'm not saying i need uh, people to agree with me 100 percent, but 
if we also agree on some of the things that I've said on some of the the core principles that you know a, a, a country is 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 rated on its success by how it treats the people at the bottom, I think that is a that is an admirable thing for people to agree with. I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, you have to be able to defend yourself and 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 banning certain things never works out for anybody. You have to find a, a moderate approach, a, a regulatory system, a, a legal system. You know, all of these things we can agree on, you know, is how I want to implement it different than how you want to implement it? Sure. OK. Is the the uh, the uh, fundamental reasons and the end goal different? Possibly. But. Do I want small businesses to be successful? Do I want uh, a working stiff to be able to afford uh, uh, food and retirement and take care of his kids? Do I want his, uh, his uh, neighborhood to be safe and 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 livable and 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 breathable with good clean air and water and safe streets? Uh, all of this stuff is true. This is things that we agree on fundamentally. So I, I fundamentally yes, yeah. But when it comes to execution, <laughs> your execution plan is completely off the rails because <laughs> no, no, again because it's all in theory see mm -hmm. for example yeah. if i want to if i want to learn how to launch a rocket to space i'm not going to come to you because i'm sure you have a theory on how it should be done <laughs> and how you could save money i'm going to go to elon musk but if i go to elon musk you need to tell me why would you go to the guy well, no. technically, you're not going to go to Elon Musk. You're going to go to his engineers because he doesn't know how to launch a rocket. <laughs> we don't know that. You'd be surprised how much he knows. <laughs> but you see my point? That's 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 where I have issue with a anybody. Doesn't ha doesn't matter, politician. If if you have medical advice, you've never seen a patient in 15 years, 20 years, 50 years. You should be giving medical advice. A lot has changed in 50 years. You've never run a business. You shouldn't be telling me as a small business owner how I should run my operation because you've never run an operation. You don't understand the challenges we face every day, hiring, firing, you know, Risks, legal, financial. HR, financial risk. You know, my employees will always have a paycheck. I won't. You know, there's no guarantee that I'm going to get paid. There's a guarantee that my employee is going to get paid unless they're fired or laid off. They're always going to get paid. I don't have that guarantee. If you're not willing to take on that risk, you shouldn't be giving me advice on how I should start or run a business. And I say this with all the respect. I'm no, just, no, you know, I, I get it. I totally appreciate so that. The, the, so that's why the fundamental idea is it all sounds fine and dandy. Safe environment, safe school, safe family, mom, dad, this, that. But yet we're trying to destroy all that. When, when you can't even agree how many genders there are, or you, then, <laughs> then then two seconds later you say, "Well, the father." How can you even refer to that person as a father? No, honestly. If the father, refer, you, if he calls himself a father, he's a father. That's, that's it. You know. That's, that's it. it. Just that's, the father. You okay. are who you are. I mean, All right. look, look. <laughs> and, and right. I can't believe I can't believe I can't believe you're thinking that way, bro. It just <laughs> fucking shocks me. Like. I'm I'm so I'm so excited to get Matt Walsh's book and open that thing up and start reading it. Like, let me ask you. I mean, do, as a definition, and Matt Walsh asks everybody, and now mm -hmm. I know, I'm sure you know who he is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how, what is a woman? <laughs> so, it's tough for someone to answer that without going into the specifics of man versus woman, and then once you go into that, then you start to open up. The book on well, are we talking about biological sex or are we talking about gender identity? Because a lot of that is different. And so, to me, when you ask me what is a woman, it's 
to me, uh, the kind of uh, person I'd like to date. You know, so, you know, my fiance is a woman. Doesn't matter if there's something hanging in between the legs or not, as long as they identify as a woman. Well, it depends. If they identify as a woman, that's up to them. That's their choice. So, okay, so you're looking, so you just basically said that you're looking to date a woman. No, I'm already dating a woman. Okay, let's say, for example, somebody else, because I'm not going to throw your fiance under the bus. Would you date him? Yeah, I identify as a woman. Would you date me? But do you, though? No, I'm I'm serious. But see, that's it, though. You can't just claim an identity if you're not willing to back that up, right? I can't just walk around. Like we mentioned earlier, people self-diagnosing themselves as autistic. I can't just come out and say, well, uh, I'm autistic, so treat me as... You can't do that. I put in the work, I put in the effort to find my identity. And so when we talk about gender, we're not talking about biological sex. We're not talking about what's between your legs when you're born what they or feel. the DNA. It's not, it's not even what you feel. No, what is it? It's how you interact with society. It's how you see uh, gender norms. Because even in the, 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 the very small binary of man and woman, we have different kinds of men. We have men who are like rugged, you know, burly men. And we have guys that are much more, you know, quiet and, and mild-mannered. Even personality. With women. Yeah, personality. Even with women, there are very effeminate women who always get dolled up. And then there's, you know, kind of a butch kind of woman who's not so much into the pretty. But it's and still stuff. a woman. But is it? We have of course a, it is. But it's a spectrum here. Well, a spectrum of what? When did that spectrum change, though? It's well, been around for a long time. I how mean, long? uh you know, there are some Native American cultures in this country that go back thousands of years that say there's 13 different genders. So it's like, you know, it's been around for a long time. Do you know what a Do you know what a transabled means? Tra- what? Transabled. No. Or transable. I've never heard that before, actually. Transable is basically a person who thinks they're disabled. Mm-hmm. Somebody who might think they're an amputee, literally. Okay. Somebody who thinks they're disabled. They can't walk. So, for example, if somebody is... But can they? They can but do they know it? They identify as transable. They identify as an amputee. They identify as a one-armed man. They identify as a paralyzed person. I've never heard of this. I, I feel act- like you're well, making this up. I swear <laughs> to God, bro. Keep up, man. You, you have to keep you gotta, up. You got to keep up. You got to keep up with 2022, baby. So if somebody's if somebody identifies as transable, then they say, you know what? Uh, fuck it. Uh, you know what? I'm uh, I'm a one-armed amputee. He goes to a doctor and says, listen, I identify as transable. Please chop off my arm. What do you think? What do you think the doctor should do? The doctor should take that person in for a psychiatric evaluation, mm. right? Because they're mentally unstable, that, right? Not mentally unstable, but they're probably missing something. So what if a what if a guy goes into a doctor and says, "I identify as a female. Please chop off my wee wee." You should probably do the same thing. Let's talk to a psychologist and see if you actually do identify as a woman. So do you think it's something as as far as a psychological issue? Do you believe it's gender dysphoria? So gender dysphoria is not necessarily a psychological issue, but it is a debilitating condition, um, either through uh, 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 your experiences or your life. And one of the problems we see with gender dysphoria is that it works both ways. It's both people who are uncomfortable with the gender that they are or pressure from outside to be a gender that they don't want to be. So it's, it's both. It's, it, it works in both directions. And when do you think these discussions should take place? At what age? I mean, they can take place at any age. If, anyone, if you have the dysphoria, it can, happen, it can happen to kids in school. It can happen to people in their 60s and 70s who are just now realizing it. Any of this so stuff So basically is, like a 5-year-old or a 6-year-old, some kid in like first grade, second grade, or third grade, should, you should discuss that with them? 
gender dysphoria or I mean, not asking, unless they're discussing it. You shouldn't be pushing it on kids. But if they come forward and they're talking about it, you have to have that conversation. Kids you can't are, ignore it. Kids are the most innocent thing in the world, man. I don't think any kid basically turns around and says, you know what? I think I'm a girl or <laughs> you know what? I think I'm a boy. I agree with you. Or, I, don't I think, think I'm binary. I think there's there's a bigger agenda behind the media and behind all this bullshit, this progressive movement where it's trying to it's kind of being fed down and or being pushed down our kid's throat. I my kid doesn't watch the media. So, I mean, he's 10. I don't well, know. No, no, so not, at, I'm at talking school. at school. No, school man. will take care of that. The schools aren't doing that. Schools aren't talking about gender. Oh, you'll be you'll, you'll, you'll be shocked, man. I mean, there's schools in in Glendale where, you know, parents were outraged because same thing happened in Burbank, actually. Thomas Jefferson. Did it happen at Burbank of as course. well? Where, what you happened? know, a th- a th- you know, a third grade, a third grader or a third grade class was uh, introduced to a video of basically the LGBTQ community and transgenderism and being lesbian, being gay. And I mean, that's just a fact of life. Those are people. Out in the I know. World. But do you think it's appropriate for that to be displayed in a third grade in a third grade classroom? They're gonna if they can see it walking down the street. What's the problem? I don't understand. No, no, I'm not saying seeing it down the street. Seeing it down the street, they'll ask you questions, and yeah. you know what? Hey, mom. Hey, dad. What is that? You know, and. Based on your morals, based on your beliefs, you'll explain it to your child because sure. it's your child. I don't think it's the responsibility of a teacher to implement that in a classroom. Implement what? Impl- Showing kids what's normal on the street, everyday stuff? Yeah, it's none of their responsibility. That is the teacher's no, responsibility. The teacher's responsibility is math, writing, history, oh, arithmetic. Man. That hasn't been true for 50 years. You got to teach That hasn't kids. been true? That hasn't been true. You got to teach kids social skills, you got to teach kids how to interact. With uh, uh, not only their peers, but uh, people of, of higher respect for them. They have to have coping mechanisms and, and emotional well-being. All of this stuff is... A third really, grader? A third grader, yes. A third grader. So you, you're saying it's okay to show videos like that to a third grader? I don't know what videos you're talking about. I mean, I'll, show, I'll show you off the podcast. Okay. But here's the thing. The LGBTQ plus community exists in the world. They're there. Correct. They've been here for Hundreds of years, probably since human inception. All of this stuff, gender and sexuality, yeah. all of it. You can't shelter kids from what is reality. But what you can do is teach them in a very basic way an understanding of who these people are so that they have an understanding of what the world functions like. And I don't think there's a... Uh, teacher in this country who is trying to sexualize it or talk to kids about <clears throat> intimacy beyond what their appropriate don't, level don't, is about. No, no, you, no, no. you what, don't say that because what you're saying is absolutely wrong. There's a lot of teachers on video doing exactly what you just said. Exactly. The teacher is doing, and well, these are female teachers. Okay, these are probably mothers who have kids at home or in other schools that are teaching eight-year-olds about anal and this and that, which one is safer and which one is this. Well, I mean, uh, if this you, is on video. That's not appropriate for that age. I mean, that, that comes later. That's during the sex ed cat. That, that's see, high school that's, stuff. See, I went to school here. He went to school here as far as like Glendale Unified or Burbank Unified, whatever you want. When we got to seventh grade, eighth grade, where, you know, you're going through puberty. Yeah, Your seven, body's changing. You want to understand what the hell's going on. Right, right, right. The biology but, stuff is, yeah. yeah. Those conversations start coming up, and right. you know people start talking about it, mm-hmm. and 
you that's when you're educated about it to understand why your body is changing, why you're having these certain feelings. Sure, sure. Whereas a third grader or a fourth grader who's an innocent child, you let them be kids. You teach them the you teach them the basic fundamentals of life as far as the the courses of math, English, history, science, all that stuff. You don't need to teach a kid about sexual intercourse. You don't need to teach no, a kid. I agree. I agree. Yeah, and, but and, that's that's but, the but, thing. That that curriculum is being implemented into schools now in California. Uh, it's not not in Burbank. Look, gender is different than sexuality. We can talk about being a boy and being a girl or something in between without ever discussing biology or sex when or does intimacy. It, okay, where where does it stop though? As Ooh, far as gender. Stop? I mean It's just what you it's with the clothes you wear and uh how your hair we, is cut. We, we had gay people when I went to school. We had people with different hair colors and you know all, all we all we were taught was and every classroom had this on top of the chalk, chalkboard. Treat others the way you want to be treated. That's where it ended. The problem now has become everything has its week, its month, its this, its that. You know, this is Gay Sunday, it's Pride Monday. And all that's doing is you think, or not you, but society thinks, or the people who are trying to push this think, well, you know, we need inclusivity. No, you don't. The fact that you're doing that, you're excluding everybody. Just let people be. We have human month. Every month is human being month. That's it. We don't need a gay month. We don't need a, you know, LGB month. We don't need black history month. We don't need an Armenian month. We just need every month to be what it is. And everybody is included. That's it. I don't care what your skin color is, what your sexual gender, any of that is. But the moment, again, we put labels on these things. Why? Because it divides us. That's the purpose. I don't it, think that's true. I don't think that's true. And, really? and, and, and look, oh, so I agree. I agree that you feel comfortable not having these special months, and that's fine. Because every month I, should I just be for everybody. I, that's I it. understand that. I understand that. Do you disagree with that? I I do disagree with that because at the end of the day, there are certain people in society okay. who don't agree that other people should be in that society. People who they no, to be so a by making identity. June a Pride Month, now those people all of a sudden shift their mindset. No, no. What, what does it do? But what it does is all the other people who are not LGBTQ, right? All the other people who do want those people in our society have a chance to reach out and show their support and say, "No, you do belong," because those months are not to educate or turn the minds of the other people who aren't in that group what we do during that time uh, you know a specific day or a week or a month or whatever it is is for everyone else outside of that identity to take the time and say you belong you're included we we recognize you and we respect you but come july go fuck yourself (laughs) we're gonna worry about somebody else no, well, you see, you well, see yeah, everybody forgot about I, Ukraine as far as, as June 1st hit. Everybody forgot about Ukraine. It's all Pride Month. It's all Pride Month. Again, I have nothing against. I have No, no we don't. No. I have and gay I get, lesbians I who your, work for me. They I respect always that. Have. How many, has nothing to do with that. Say, I, bro, say I, I've had and it's and it's funny. I've had I've had gay clients where, you know, we've helped them purchase homes and they've even said, you know, bro, we don't understand these trans people. And it goes back to well, it, that it, they they need to start coming to to Pride Month. That they need to spend some time 
with uh, trans folks at Pride. It, that's it. That's it kind of it kind of goes back to Dave Chappelle's skit where he talked about <laughs> the trans people and the gays and the lesbians. Where it, I sort of got as soon as I saw that skit, I remembered, I remembered my my client who's who's in Florida now and he's a super conservative. He went from left to right, right very quickly. But you know. He he texted me and we were chit chatting and he I'm not kidding you he literally he literally said do you remember what I told you when we were selling the property I said yeah I remember he goes they're making the, the, the they're making the ride to our destination longer it's taking a longer time because we don't understand what the fuck is going on with them <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm well, like I'm Vic, not- Vic says Vic says it the gay man has become obsolete. <laughs> And, and and mind you, this is this is coming from a male who is who's gay, who's in the LGBTQ community. Yeah, most and of like, them have I, no I mean, idea what's going on. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like and I told he, him, he's like, got. I'm just saying, educate yourself, and you know, maybe turn off Dave Chappelle and watch somebody else for a minute. Uh, I I don't know what else to tell you, but if you don't want to participate in those months or weeks it's not for you and that's no, fine no, it hasn't see but, that's the thing i think you're actually excluding them by saying the other 11 months you guys aren't worth shit but june we're gonna make it your month and well, he, come on nobody says the other well, 11 months that's why not, not why not come on that's not so why can't every month be gay pride month <laughs> why don't you talk about it every month <laughs> well how about this how about we do how about we month? do what morgan freeman said and i wish josh robert thompson was here to do it in his voice but uh morgan freeman said in order to stop talking about this whole racism and all this stuff is to basically you know don't call me a black man call me a man mm-hmm. because yeah. that's what i am or black history month. or black history month call i am a man he said why isn't there a white history month yeah. And you know what the interviewer said? He goes, I'm Jewish. He goes, okay, why isn't there a Jewish history month? <laughs> and he goes, well, we don't want it. Yeah, because so every other month is their month. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like he's he's absolutely right. We have to look at society and each other as one. Okay, well, here's the deal. If you can convince all the people out there who have these identities to give up whatever month or day or week they have, that's up to you. But I'm not out there advocating... For me to get a month, I'm not out there advocating for different groups to get a month. Groups ask for it. They want to be seen. I show up for them. There's a, you know, uh, uh, April is Autism Awareness Month, and now it's called Autism Acceptance Month because we're trying to educate people into acceptance. I didn't start it. I didn't go out and say we need a month to educate people on what autism is. But when it shows up, I get the opportunity for people to ask me, hey, what is this about? I'm like, okay, you know, we can talk about acceptance and we can talk about what it is to be in this identity. But at the end of the day, I wasn't the person out there demanding that it be April. But do you talk about it? But do you go out there and basically say, no, we don't need an autism month? No, because I have no, I have no preference either way. If it happens, it happens. I use the opportunity. So fuck it. Let's just go with the flow. I'm that. That's me. But I'm very chill. However, there are people, and I'm just saying, there are people who feel as though they're not seen, they're not represented. And look, if we look at society as a whole, you can say that there are groups and demographics that, you know, are treated differently and worse than other groups. And if those folks want to say, can I just 
have a day or a month where just people look at myself. me and just be my and people <clears throat> say, "Hey, it's your month." Yeah. I'm I'm not going to say no. Okay. So, you I'll, know. T- I'll tell you this much. Name me another country where it's better to be a minority besides the United States. Whether it's <laughs> black, Latino, Armenian, LGBTQ, well, hold on. Name another country. I'll answer that question with a question. Name another country that has as many different minority groups as the United States. I mean, that's basically what we are. We are a melting pot. There's almost no other country that has nearly as much diversity or differences of uh, religion, race, background, any of that stuff. Division. Well, that's the U.S. We're, you know. Division. I don't know if it's division. Of I course think it, it is, man. Our diversity have, makes us we have, stronger. We have, we have, it makes us stronger. We're imploding in ourselves, bro. We have the left versus the right. We have the gays versus the straights. We have the blacks versus the whites. No, no, no. And you what know do what you it mean? is? No, no, no. no. Yeah, man. That's None what of that is. is versus. It's, it's just that's what who it they is, are. man. No. I don't believe that it's versus. Of I course fundamentally it is, you know what's do the, not and, believe it's and a versus. And you know what's the biggest versus? It's the rich versus the poor. I agree with that. And you know who the rich are? All these Pieces of shit sitting up in, in Washington where they live in their multi-million dollar properties mm-hmm. in their gated communities with basically armed security guards, yet they want to take our guns away. They want to turn whites versus blacks, Latinos versus blacks. Okay. Yeah, man, they're That's creating separation. Hold on, hold on. That is a lot of talking points that doesn't bear out. Doesn't the bear people out? In Does, wa- the what, people Nancy, in Washington... Nancy Pelosi doesn't live in a gated community? Get, but she gets her marching orders from people... 10 times, 100 times mm-hmm. wealthier than she is. We're talking about billionaires. I don't care about if you're a millionaire or a 10 millionaire. Billionaires. So have should we more just ban power. billionaires? I think that's a great idea. I think there should be a maximum wage in this country. A maximum <laughs> wage, huh? <laughs> but look, look. And so how much look, spread, I, spread I, the rest I, of it? I, yeah, yeah. I think what you're talking about, this, this us versus them or them versus us kind of mentality, is perpetuated by the people at the top. To keep us fighting amongst each other. Because I honestly agree with you that the only people we should be fighting is those folks at the top who control much of our destiny and have for the last 20, 30, 40 years. They, they basically they sit around in a circle, they smoke a joint, and they say, they keep what, us do you, fighting. What, do you, what do you guys want to make up this month? Yeah, they keep us fighting each other. I don't think it is straight versus gay, black versus white. None of the, It's not. There are the the vast majority of Americans want to get along with the other vast majority of Americans. We just want to live our lives, go to work, be happy, chill out, have a beer, raise our kids, and retire. That's that's the American dream. But talking you know, nineteen fifties again. But <laughs> we're talking about nineteen fifties again. <laughs> Look, you know, they call they call Burbank, cap, but put a cap on your wage. <laughs> yeah, at the maximum level. Come on, but, man. But, but look, Burbank, you know, we call it Mayberry here because we try to live that ideal, that nineteen fifties ideal. And I believe that there is a a a, 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 a dream, an American dream that we're stri- still trying to chase, where it's just a safe vibrant community where we have local businesses and we know everybody on our block and our kids are all friends with their kids and we know the parents like we can do that and i'll tell you there's a lot of neighborhoods in burbank that are like that and we can hold on to that and there's a way to do that yeah and it's funny how any people who always say you know cap the ridge tax the ridge like the sanders of the world you know 
uh, this guy drives a two hundred thousand dollar Audi. I mean, he's he's not that well off. He's only worth a couple million dollars, but <clears throat> it's never you've never you'll never hear a multimillionaire or a billionaire say, you know, we need to put a cap on this and tax that, and because because they're the ones who provide jobs. It's the apples of the world. It's the Amazons. Amazons of the world. All of us sitting here, all of this stuff was purchased from Apple or Amazon or you know. Sure, I mean, yeah, they provide know. jobs, but the jobs aren't that great. Well, it's t- it's better than a government <laughs> job because you know the government doesn't doesn't the government fools you into thinking you have better benefits and you have all this other nonsense. But but I I just want to kind of touch on what you guys were talking about the whole gender thing. So let's say. I'm an 18-year-old girl. I've been, you know, um, training all my life to compete in a sport. Happens to be swimming. I attend the swimming competition. Leah Thomas comes into the match, whoops my ass. What, What would your, how would you comfort me? I would comfort you by asking why are you competing in an all women's sport anyways? At what point... No, no, I'm a woman. No, I understand yeah. that. Why do we have men's and women's sports to begin with? Why did we separate that? They're, it's, they're not separated. Who they said se- they're separated? They're se- you can't you compete. Can, you, can, you can be a woman and compete in the NBA. There you go. Why aren't we doing that? Why do we have the WNBA? Because... because <laughs> why why yeah. do we have the WNBA? Why do we have the WNBA? Because what do, you think, what do you think would happen if somebody like a... I don't know... I don't watch the WNBA, but let's let's go back in time to one of the most famous WNBA players, Lisa Leslie, mm-hmm. is standing under the rim, and somebody like a LeBron James goes up and dunks over her. Okay, what do you think is going to happen? She'll probably become, uh, you know, uh, a point guard. She'll probably become a point guard. Yeah, she's not so going to be a thi- center. So do you? Th- <laughs> so do you? Okay, do you think Lisa Leslie would take that hit the same way Chris Paul would? I don't know. I mean, we've had well, I mean, smaller. Uh, 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 players. Okay, you know what? Forget. Okay, let's, look, look, let's look. forget basketball then. Let's go into MMA then. Let's go into MMA. Okay. Why aren't women fighting men? Why aren't they? Why aren't they? Yeah, why aren't they? The men, the men's um, division pays more. Why? Why don't they go fight yeah. there? That's what but I'm wait, saying. how did we open the show? How did we open the show? We opened it up on domestic abuse and yeah, domestic yeah. violence, right? Yeah. Is it okay for a man to hit a woman? It's not okay for anybody to hit anybody. Okay, but is it okay for a man to hit a woman? It's not okay for anybody to hit anybody. So what would you? And f- I had to learn that okay, the hard way. Let's okay. Let's let's go back to combat sports. If a man were to hit a woman, okay, in a combat, sure, in boxing, okay, what would happen to that woman? I can't guess, but statistically, uh-huh. a woman would likely be outmatched. Okay, and and if the woman were to hit the man, how do you think the man would be faced? Uh, probably a little less. So I, I mean, mean, it's it's kind of it's basic biology, man. Okay. It kind of explains well, to you that. What did Serena Williams say about tennis? Well, Serena Williams, or I think it was Serena or it was Venus, one of the two. They they played tennis against a guy who was ranked two hundred fiftieth mm-hmm. in the world in tennis, and they lost all four sets. Which kind of it just shows you that men are built differently, women are built differently. It's an unfair advantage for a man to go into women's sports and dominate it. So why do we have women's sports to begin with? Think why? about that. Because it's basically it's comparing women against each other and men against each other. Okay. It's two different sexes, two different genders. 
competing against each other. Okay, so it'll be fair. I, I understand that. But what's the purpose of creating more sports? What is the point? Why aren't men competing in gymnastics? What do you mean men are competing in gymnastics? Right. At the level of women? No, much better than women. Floor, bars, well, floor. other than rings, that's it. No. There, there is a fundamental difference in what's biology. the one? That, what's the one that they have? The, the that horse thing that they, they the pommel horse. Pommel horse. Men are men are men doing, are doing it. pommel horse pretty good. Women are doing it as well. Yeah, yeah. And what I'm saying is, what we've done in society is remove the physical aspect of sports in reality and put it in a closed circuit. We've <laughs> cut us off from the original intent of physicality. The the hunter mentality, the you know, uh, um, being out in nature and, and, and that kind of idea. Let me, uh, let me ask you a question. If you had a choice, they're going to give you season tickets to the Sparks or they're going to give you season <laughs> tickets to the Lakers for free. Which one would you take? I'd take the Lakers, Why? of course. Why? <laughs> well, it's just more popular as it is anyway. Oh, but look. Is but that look, right? But so look, what I'm saying is the argument that you're coming forward with, and I see this argument all the time, is that the biological differences and all that stuff and competing in the alternate sports. Every single person who competes in a sport, <clears throat> if they have a biological advantage, whether it's some genetic thing or their arms are built longer so they can swim better or they have this, um, if you know about weightlifting, there's like this uh, uh, genetic abnormality in muscle tissue that if you have it, you're much more likely to be in the top 1% of weightlifters, what right? What is it, a testosterone? No, it's like a... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an actual... Uh, it's a, TRT? It's a, it's a DNA... Th- it's a thing in your DNA. <laughs> uh, but yes, testosterone does help. Uh, it's a DNA thing. And if you have it, you're much more likely to win the sport, right? So was it fair for Leah Thompson to go into and break NCAA records and basically destroy uh, yes, those young, young girls that have been working their asses off since they were little kids swimming uh, and basically just beat them all out and, and win, win her awards. All I would say is, why are people so invested in sports? Was it fair? Nothing in sports Was is it f- fair. Nothing in sports no, no. is fair. Was it fair for Leah Thompson to go and compete against girls, biological is- girls? Was I- it fair? There's no such thing as fair. The fact there that you're okay. You, the, okay, I, here's no, the thing. I'm, the I'm, fact I'm that you're not. Honest. I know, but the fact that you're not answering yes or no, you know what that gives me, right? Go ahead. What do you got? Your answer is yes. It was not fair. I agree that nothing in sports is fair. Look, you're trying to say that there's some fairness in sports, but that's not true. Meaning some what? Ki- as some in like kids, te- as in like hormonal no, no, no. boosters, not testosterone. Just that. What are you talking about? Ability, natural talent. The amount of time people have to work on this sport. You're talking about kids who, who did this since they were little kids. Okay. What about the kid who just started uh, the last year? Where's the fairness there? How come they didn't have the support as a kid? When we talk about sports, we're not talking about academia. We're talking or about business. on a professional level, though. But what do we do in this country idolizing sports figures? Well, I mean. It's not fundamentally fair it's, at the end you know, of the day. You know, you, know, you know what it is? It's called capitalism. You're, you're, pay, <laughs> you're paying to go see it. Okay. And if you know what? If he's going to pay 100 bucks to go see one of your favorite shows and they tell you, hey, Constantine, if you give me 110, I'll take his ticket and I'll give it to you. Wouldn't you pay that $10 well, extra? Yes, of course, of course. It's, it's basic. It's, I understand that. But we get in a tizzy in this country about sports. I get it. And that's why, that's right. why a lot of sports figures like 
the LeBron Jameses and all these uh, athletes should stay out of the politics as well. I They're mean, being paid to pay, play sports. They stay out of the politic, political game. I, I think in this country, anybody gets involved in politics. I, I don't, I don't want to exclude anybody. If but they you have still, a conversation, but you have still a didn't answer the question, which, lead me, which, le- which leads me to believe that it's yes. <laughs> Look, women have... Because what you're saying doesn't make sense. You're saying that all sports, there's an unfair advantage. Not when it comes to professional sports, because you could work your ass off like Kobe Bryant... Mm-hmm. And basically become one of the greatest of all time, or you could be a Mark Madsen and just basically, you know, cheer <laughs> cheer on the bench. Yes or no? I mean, I know a lot of people who worked as hard as Kobe Bryant, and they're not as good. <laughs> he's he's built differently. I mean, that's yeah. why he would wake up at three in the morning, four in the morning, and he would get an extra day of extra couple hours of practice yeah, yeah. over everybody else. It's okay. Everybody that fought for women's rights for all these years. Give it five years. All their world records will be taken away by a man who yeah. identifies. Let's get rid of. Let's get rid of the WNBA. I mean, well, we I'm, don't need I'm it. I'm okay. Let, getting let, getting let, rid of world records. That's just you know. It's like okay. Why keep Why keep tabs? I mean, why keep a score? Yeah, basically, just go swim. Just yeah, go swim. Just go swim. Go swim for fun. Enjoy it. Have fun. No, man. <laughs> this has been fun. This was fun. No, we truly, we truly appreciate you taking the time to sit down. You know, we probably agreed on. Very little, thing, but, <laughs> but um, we agreed to sit down. There you yeah, go. we agreed yeah. to sit down. By the way, June twenty first, we're going to be at the famous. You're, you could you could swing by as well. The famous in Glendale. Oh, okay. It's a bar. So. Let me know. There'll me be know. actual cocktails and mocktails. Okay. In case you identify as a mocktail. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to offend anybody by just offering alcohol. So we're going to have virgin drinks too, John, for you especially. Oh, jeez. We're not looking forward to that one. Uh, Constantine, thanks for taking time out of your Monday to be with us. Man. I appreciate you guys inviting me. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it, was, uh, it was fun. It was one <laughs> for the books. That's yeah, for sure. It was fun. It was fun. Uh, guys, uh, today's podcast will be up and running manana. Uh, it'll be on Spotify. It'll be on iTunes. It'll be on iHeartRadio. It'll be on all major platforms. Uh, other than that, we'll see you guys next week. Edgar will be back with us next week. And uh, on the 21st. Tuesday the twenty first. Don't we, forget. Yeah, we will be at the famous. We're gonna go meet with them probably uh, sometime this sometime week. this week or maybe early next or no, we don't. We have to no. We're not gonna do it next week. We have to meet with them early this week, later this week, so we could figure out the whole sound system and all that stuff, so we can uh, entertain you guys and have you guys join us and do a meet and greet. So meet and greet, and then whoever wants can sit and. Beyond the, I mean, it's not going to be the live show the whole night because we start at meet and greet at six, go live at seven thirty, probably for an hour or so, and then after that we'll still get to hang out, have some drinks, yeah, and absolutely, shoot the shit, see who can swim the fastest, yeah, <laughs> see who identifies as what. Uh, other than that, guys, have a great week, have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>